Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And happy Friday Eve from the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, where it's 7 o'clock. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley looking directly into the camera on the Air Alliance team studio cam, which is on YouTube. Just type in 101 ESPN STL. Danny Mack is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Matthew Rocchio is here. And we're excited for a, a big show because of uh, what happened last night in Edmonton. Yeah, good effort. Good job. Good effort. They came away with the point, and I thought it was a hard-fought game, honestly. It was. Uh, the, uh, the Blues, again, played really, really well for them. And they, mm-hmm. uh, I, I said to Patrick in overtime, my son Patrick, uh, when they went to overtime, I said, Connor McDavid's going to score to win it. And you knew he would, right? I mean, that's just the Blues don't have anybody where you say he's going to win in, in overtime. The Oilers have like three of those guys. And <laughs> no one has Connor McDavid. Nobody though. has Connor no. McDavid. Yeah. No, that's kind of predictable. You yeah. get into three on three, and who's going to win the game, right? Yeah. Connor McDavid. Yeah, yeah, right. He's awesome. Man, he's, is he fun to watch? He's he's worth the price of admission. It's he is. unbelievable to me that they have not built a team because you only have to have mediocrity around him to win. And they haven't even got gotten to that point with he and Dreisaitl, who's also won an MVP. Mm-hmm. How do they not get to conference finals on a regular basis? Goaltending initially, goaltending yep. was really bad at the beginning of the season. Then they had the 16-game winning streak after they fired their coach. And, and since then, they kind of meander around 500. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. They should be much better, it seems like. When you have two world-class players, and they're world-class, you should be better than just fighting against the Blues, to be quite honest with you. Now, I don't want to take away from the Blues. The effort was there. They jumped out to a 2-0 lead. I give them credit for what they did in that first period, really the first five to ten minutes. Going into the game, they had been outscored in their last seven first periods, 12-3. So at least they jumped out to the 2-0 lead. I thought Thomas's goal was sensational, but it just wasn't enough. And now they come home for just one game, and they've got four games left before the trade deadline. Robert Thomas reaching the 20-goal mark for just the second time in his career. And we've been talking about this, and especially you, Dan, pointing it out yesterday. I think that sometimes some people, I don't think here, are taking Robert Thomas for granted. But nationally, he might be taken for granted a little bit just mm-hmm. because of everything that he's been able to do this season and how talented he is. That's why I said, even though you don't like the result, you would rather them have a win. They come away with a point. But that was a really good team. And considering that you have 
this end of the stretch for him. You had back-to-back games for him. I thought it was a really good effort overall. You got to see your top line respond really well in the game. Colton Pareko, also another player that mm-hmm. stood out to me. 27 minutes and 44 seconds of ice time from him. Seven shot attempts, five hits, three block shots. He now leads the team with 150 block shots. <laughs> it's amazing. And the Blues did get off to the good start. As Danny mentioned, Thomas, a beautiful power play goal, just 219 in. Thomas in. Shoots. Score! Robert Thomas with a wrist shot. Off the bar and in. Power play goal. 14 seconds into the power play. Thomas has 20 goals on the season. The Blues have a 1-0 lead. 17-41 to play first period. Krug and Cairo with the assists. And then at the 449 mark, Krug, or rather, uh, Cairo and Thomas involved again. And the puck then stripped back by Thomas to Pareko moving it out. He skates, flips it over to the far wing. Back to Thomas, trying to one-time it. It trickled wide. Now Cairo to Butchnevich. He scores! Pavel Butchnevich from the hash marks. Over the shoulder of Skinner. And the St. Louis Blues have taken a 2-0 lead. 15-11 to go, period. Number one. Seven in seven for Bucci, and the Blues up 2-0 after a period. Well, heading into the late part of the first period, Zach Hyman, who had him second in the league in goals on their bingo card? Not me. (laughs) He scored a couple. He's got 40. He had scored numbers 39 and 40. Then after a scoreless third period, we go to overtime, and as uh, as Randy predicted. Thomas will force Matias Ekholm all the way behind his net. The pass comes forward. McDavid dropped it back to Ekholm. Now to McDavid. Around Thomas, drags it in. McDavid shoots, save, and score. It floats off of Bennington, and the Oilers score with 25 seconds to go. They win in overtime. Blues get a big point. Bennington thought he had that one, Mike, but it floated past him, and there's Connor McDavid with just another ho-hum three-point game for you. And the Blues do fall 3-2 to the Edmonton Oilers. So what do you do now? Again, you're Doug Armstrong. You're 24 hours away after being beat by the uh, Winnipeg Jets. And now you just, as Curbs mentioned, it was a a needed point, but still four games to go. I I get the feeling that they just may stand pat and just roll it out with Buchnevich. And if you get hot, you know, you win some games and you sneak into the playoffs. Because if you get rid of Buchnevich, then the top line is not where it needs to be. And I, I don't see them having a shot to get into the playoffs. And even if you have Snugrud and Dvorsky here next year, they aren't going to be ready to be stars yet. And the Blues do want to have a couple of stars on their team. Kairou is a roller coaster ride. So is Buchnevich, but at least he's got skill. I, I still think with every good thing that Robert Thomas has done, I think the most gifted, hockey-gifted player on the Blues is Buchnevich. So why not try to keep him around and have that depth? Because... If you get draft picks for him, you aren't going to see them for four or five years. So why not keep the guy that is around for a while? Yeah, five points out of a playoff spot right now. They might stand pat, but according to those reports that were floating out there about Pavel Buchnevich possibly being looked at for a trade, Doug Armstrong has a high asking price. If he meets somebody who's willing to match that, yeah. what do you do if you're Doug Armstrong? Well, then you do it. If you get overwhelmed, if you get an offer that's bigger than what your ask is, or if your ask is outrageous and somebody meets it, then you do it. Two number ones would do it for me. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I, I'd pull the trigger on that. And to your point, Randy, it's going to take a while for these number ones to get there, you think. But, you know, Snuggerud was drafted just a couple of years ago, and he's ready to make his debut. Bolduc was not drafted that long ago. He's ready to go. And the question would be, are you going to win next year? Probably not. Mm-hmm. How about the year after that? 
you know, you're you're at least competitive. The year after that, maybe when these number ones arrive, that's when you say, okay, we got something to work with here. But beyond their arrival, look how long it's taken Robert Thomas to reach elite status. Sure, mm-hmm. you know, it's, he's he's in his sixth year now, and he's he's reaching elite status now. So. And Bennington. Right. That's the other thing right. with your goaltender who would be in year eight of his career in a couple of years. Right. And that's hard this to is, believe. Yeah. <laughs> this is year four of his contract. I think, there, I believe there's two years left. Anyway, the Blues play the Wild on Saturday at Enterprise Center, four o'clock pregame, five o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. College basketball last night. Late in the first half, the Billikens were actually ahead of Richmond. It was kind of like a football game where a, a better football team just leans on the lesser team, and Richmond just leaned on the Billikens. They got up by 20 and wound up winning 80-64. to 64. Big game, Gibby Jim, Gibson Jimerson becomes the Billikens career leader in uh, three-pointers made. And oh, it took him 10 years. Yeah, right. 10th <laughs> year senior, right? But he did it. He did. Yep. But I wonder if it, with all these records that are being smashed across college basketball, for those players that stay five, some six years, mm-hmm. if you have to put an asterisk by three-point leaders, yeah. all-time scorers, all-time assist leader, all that kind of stuff. I, I believe you do. Now, uh, Terrence Hargrove has only been there for four years, right. and he crashed the 1,000-point barrier. And he, he's a guy, you talk about stick-to-itiveness. Here's a, here's a guy that uh, didn't get playing time in his first couple of years, reasonably highly recruited player, and was just committed to St. Louis University. I give him a ton of credit. And dealing with the, the, the mental uh, issues, the mental health issues that he's dealt with, uh, he's. I, I'm really impressed by Terrence Hargrove. Jr. And he's been very open and honest about that. Mm-hmm. I was very excited for him to reach that 1,000 career points mark for him. And he's a great player, great guy, excuse me, and just great to talk to. I'm sure you guys have talked to him before. Mm-hmm. He's a really, really good person, so I'm happy to see that he was able to reach that mark. Another team that got leaned on was Mizzou. They make it a one-point game against Florida at Florida with 9.36 to play, but then Florida rolls to an 83-74 win. Now Mizzou is 0-15 in SEC. Play might as well finish it off. Might as well finish with a perfect record, right? If you're going to do it, do it big. <laughs> it's not the perfect record. I, I don't know if you're a Missouri fan. What you think right now? Because you have this great class that's coming in. You made it to the NCAA tournament last year. You had a very good year under Dennis Gates in his first season. But this is alarming. When yeah. you lose mm-hmm. every game in the SEC, that's alarming. What was a great uh, outcome last night is that Missouri did cover. So I don't know if that uh, <laughs> comes into play yeah. for some of you out there listening. Just just saying. Yeah, Florida was a 13 and a half point favorite. That's right. Uh, Tigers kept him within nine. And uh, Illinois, man, you talk about terrible defense. Illinois allows 97 to Minnesota. I don't know how you do that if you're going to be a good team. Oh, you score 105. <laughs> Number 13, Illinois, a 105-97, an NBA score, uh, a 105-97 win over Minnesota. And... Yesterday down in Florida, the Mets blanked the Cardinals by a score of 3-0. Miles Michaelis, though, with a strong outing in his first start, and the Cardinals starting pitching is just stellar. I, I, they're great. <laughs> it's the first week of spring training. Oh. Yes. Guys yeah. are working on things. What do you want them to no, do? They're, they're, I, I, I like it. They're, they're, You're sarcastic about it. I'm, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I, that was, they, they have not had a poor starting pitching performance. Oh, of two innings that. out there, yeah. Every yeah. every starter going two innings. <laughs> we we had a lot of first innings last year, Danny. <laughs> no no question about that. <laughs> that, sir, is a fact. We had some rough starts out yeah. there, no that doubt. Is, we we need to get to the real story here. Why have the Cardinals not hit a home run? People are freaking out, guys. What is going wrong here? You know, in Roger Dean Stadium, not to make excuses, it is a hard place to hit a home run. It is even McGuire. 
It's a hard place for whatever reason. It's hard. And for left-handed batters in particular, the batter's eye is not Mm -hmm. good. It's it's really tough for guys to pick up the ball. And if it's blowing out to right, left-handers can hit a home run. And if you hit a ball to left or center, you have earned it. It's really tough to hit a home run at Roger Dean Stadium. But they've played a few games on the road and haven't hit on the road. So we'll see how it plays out in the next three to four weeks. And I'm not going to freak out. This is a this is a base-stealing team, guys. This is a, this is volleyball. This is <laughs> Randy, come on. Come on. Okay, it's going to happen. What about if it happens today? I'm switching the subject. Happens today or maybe tomorrow. I'm going to put my money on Victor Scott. To hit, to a, hit home a home run? Yeah. Oh, I like this. You're going out on a limb. Oh, where's FanDuel Why here? not? I, I just feel, I'm feeling spicy about this right now. I don't know what's happening on the show today, but I like the energy. <laughs> a lot of energy. Okay. Randy, Randy's, Randy's over here calling. I don't know what Randy's doing, but Brooks over here calling crazy shots. I don't know. Randy's predicting something I, don't, I'm not, I can't even figure out i like the energy on the show today it's kind of crazy what did i do wrong you're steady like eddie baby okay i'm just going in. with a steady uh realistic point of view maybe yeah yeah, yeah we're just <laughs> okay. we're, we're a little <laughs> hey, up there cutting here, remarks one other thing that we need to get to and we don't talk a lot of nba here right but lebron james is 39 years old last night i went to bed at the end of the third quarter of the celtics clippers game and the clippers were up by 19 early in the fourth quarter after my head had hit the pillow they made it a 21-point lead. LeBron accounts for 30 points in the fourth quarter, 19 of them his. He outscores the Clippers by himself. 39 years old, outscores the Clippers by himself in the fourth quarter, and the Lakers come back to win. It was just unbelievable for a 29-year-old player, but this is a 39-year-old player who's still the best player in the league. It does feel a little unbelievable, doesn't it? It does. He makes it must-see TV for me. Yeah. Anytime he's on and I can catch him playing, I, I watch. I marvel at the age of 39 and doing what he's doing. And it just seems like there is no stopping him. How yeah. much longer is he going to play? His body is incredibly fit. Yeah. I mean, he's in unbelievable shape. It well, doesn't look like it's changed except to get bigger and stronger in a positive way. If you are the Lakers or any other NBA team, isn't it worth it if you have him to have Bronny as your 12th guy on your roster? Oh. If he wants it, yes. If you, if you can get him to play for you because you have Bronny as a 12th player on your roster, you do it. I would do it in a heartbeat. Who cares? It's a 12th man on the roster. If this is what he yeah. wants, bring him in. But is it what Bronny wants would be my question. Of course, you want to play in the NBA, but you're not really playing in the NBA. It's the and only way he gets it. Though. Everybody's going to talk about the only reason you're there is because of your dad. That's fine. But as long as his dad is performing. Yeah. Uh, 30 points via scoring and assists, a plus 23 in the fourth quarter. No other player has met both of those marks since play-by-play data became, uh, began being tracked. He's the first player since 2007 to record 19 points and five three-pointers in a fourth quarter with at least a plus 23 differential. And uh, he, uh, w- with his uh, overseeing this comeback, largest fourth quarter comeback in the NBA since 2003. Okay, so so he was drafted. Who do you guys want, MJ or LeBron? It says, Rock, please read 636. I'll read it for you. Ask Randy, MJ or LeBron? I'm going to ask the panel. Well, I saw Michael do it so much in the fourth quarter of playoff games and finals games. I I would still take Six championship stands out. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and not losing any. And Michael was there in the fourth quarter in games five, six, and sevens of finals to not to this level, but he carried his team in playoff games. For me, it's both great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're but one MJ. and two all time, right? Yes, but MJ. It always. comes down to me is who do you want the ball 
in their hands with the final shot or the final possession. And if it's me, I go MJ. And the six championships stand out for me. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. I don't disagree with you at all. I just, uh, Matthew, how about you, Matthew? It's like one and one A. Even though Carrie's not on the show anymore, mm-hmm. uh, I'll still go with MJ. <laughs> what, Carrie liked uh, LeBron? No, Carrie made a rule on this show that we were not allowed to, compare. to say that LeBron was better than MJ. Oh, okay. Now, no, the comparison was allowed, but there was only one answer. That it was, was correct, and that wouldn't have a former NFL fullback coming at you. So there no. was one So there was one <laughs> correct answer, and I'm still going to go MJ. Wasn't, yeah. it, wasn't his problem more of your ranking of where Kobe is? Yeah, my you want Kobe, me to bring that up? Yeah, because people, I'm sorry, people who rank Kobe above LeBron, that's just, I can't I can't abide that that ranking. I don't I'm disagree sorry. with that. I, I, LeBron's better than Kobe. No, no, I'm saying there's people who put Kobe above LeBron. There's people who will say MJ, Kobe, LeBron is their top three. And I say, and, and my reaction to that is, what are we doing here? Yeah, well, Matthew, you can always <laughs> ease your mind. You can always keep your heart rate low by remembering this one important fact. And it is a fact. There has to be a dumbest person in the world. That those people make me angrier. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's not their fault. Okay, fair enough. It's not their fault. So just keep your heart rate heart rate low, right? Sure. It's fact. You're the one with all the heart issues from previous times. I, I, so I, I, keep, I take my your, heart rate low, brother. I take the advice that you give me. <laughs> Coming up on 101 ESPN, we've got Sick of It. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. Sick of It is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It is time now for Sick of It here on 101 ESPN. Okay, guys, uh, I know this is uh, easy and this is uh, lazy radio, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm sick of the crazy weather here in St. Louis, but I've got a reason for it. So I'm somebody that even when it's 28 degrees like it was yesterday, I like to open my moonroof because the wind doesn't blow in. It just blows over the top and it's refreshing early in the morning. Yesterday, my car was iced up 12 hours after 84 degrees. It was 28 degrees and my roof of my car was iced up when I tried to open it up and I hear this and it opened and would not close. And it's a chilly morning then. A uh, chilly day, Dan, and oh, until yeah. I uh, got over to Honda Frontenac and they got they, they closed it. But now I have to take it in for a repair anyway because I bent some frame on my moonroof. It's closed, but I can't open it because it won't close again. If I open it again, I am just so sick of this stupid St. Louis weather. I would know better if it hadn't been 84 degrees 12 hours before to not open my moonroof. If it was just 28 degrees the day before, I'd say, okay, it's iced over. <laughs> Come on, weather. I'm sick of this. Sick of this. Sick of I, it. I'm with you because it's also messed with my allergies and sinuses a lot. And I, I mean, I'm doubling up on everything right now. I have Claritin in my system. I have the nasal spray. I also have eye drops. I'm trying everything. Also, so local honey, a good thing, too, for allergies. I'm trying everything, and when you have this weather just all over the place when it fluctuates like that, it really, for whatever reason, just riles up my allergies. Uh, I am sick of my forgetfulness. Um, I forget everything here in the mornings. I walk out. I'm like, where's my wallet? Can't find it. Okay, found it. Where's my phone? Don't have it. Got to go find it. I'm just very forgetful here in the mornings, and I'm quite sick of that. I'm sick of myself. 
No. <laughs> no, I think I think it happens. I do it all the time. And Randy, I know he, what he's about to do. He's about to show you his key yeah, tag I can't that he even has. Find my keys. Oh, Randy, come on. Don't let me <laughs> you, Hold on. He lost his keys. Talk amongst yourself. Yes. So Randy has this system where he has this little thing where he can figure out where his keys are. I get it, though. I lose stuff all the time. Oh, but I've seen those. At least yeah. you remember to show up here, Dan. And that's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that I care about. That's all that Randy cares about. We're happy you're here. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a good addition to this show because you guys, you know, you rip on me all the time. No. Rock gets upset. You know, we just get into these big fights in the morning. No, we don't. <laughs> it's all behind the scenes. Nobody <laughs> exactly. sees that. Yeah. Exactly. You're, you're pulling back the curtain a little bit, Dan. Oh, Randy found his keys. Didn't I've you? seen I don't know it. I did or not. Uh, we'll see. My wife got me that. Also, she got my uh, daughter that because my daughter lost her keys and wallet all together, so we had to change the locks on the door. Oh, not good. All the doors yeah, <clears throat> of the house. Okay. Not good at all. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, I, Obviously, I to, it really works for you, Randy. Yeah, it's great. So, I, I guess I would have to set it up <laughs> if I ever did delete, actually lose my keys again. But I do have to get, I don't know, maybe somebody can text in and tell me how much a key fob costs for a Honda Pilot. Because I lost one. That's why I have this little finder thing. I've got one key fob left, okay? And the battery is running out, so I have to change the battery today. But how much does it cost to get a key fob replaced on a vehicle these days? I think it's ridiculously expensive. I think expensive. it is expensive, because that's always my big fear, is that I'll lose one of my key fobs. And it's pretty, pretty expensive. So, yeah. while you're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and give you my sick of it. I was thinking about this last night because I, as you guys know, have been watching The Sopranos, rewatching it because it's such a good show. Tony mm-hmm. Soprano, probably one of the best TV characters of all time. And I just kind of miss that era of TV in general. I'm sick of not having really, really good TV shows. I know that we're in a different era of streaming, and I think that that has kind of tarnished or ruined things mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways because then you just stream it, you binge everything, which is kind of what I'm doing now with The Sopranos. But I miss the good old days of TV where you just had all these really, really, really good TV shows that came out. Aside from what, what, what is a great scripted television show right now? I don't even know. I like That's anything from point. Dick Wolf. I can be mindless and watch uh, Law and Order, Law yes. and Order or FBI. Those are, uh, but Abbott Elementary. Okay. It's fantastic. Okay. Never heard of it. Won like all the awards at the TV. Oh, did it? Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. Good Keita, show. Keita won a bunch of the last three, I think. Cool. Last I'll watch. Two years. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it probably when it's in reruns. A good show now is Curb Your Enthusiasm. If you like Larry David, that I is love a good Curb one. Your Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. See, but uh, to me, but that's, that's only... not scripted. Right. Exactly. They kind of go off script and just do their improv, and it's awesome. Makes it even more brilliant. It's hilarious. Right. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Is right now, don't you just miss that time of TV shows where there's just so many good ones out that it felt like everybody was watching at the same time. Now you're a hunter. Correct? I A long time ago, not currently. There's a uh, show I watch called The Hunting Public, and it's guys that go out and hunt deer, and they sit there and hunt deer, and there's one guy that's got a camera, and the other guy is out trying to get deer. It is fascinating if you uh, go deer hunting, so that's my... Is that your guilty pleasure watching? That's my guilty pleasure. You know what mine is, sadly, is true crime. I think it kind of brings out Mm -hmm. some of my reporter instincts. I love watching true crime stuff in my spare time and try to solve it. The husband always did it. (laughs) Pretty much. There was a TV show called Snapped where it was the women. There you go. Mm -hmm. Equality. All right, uh, Matthew, what, what, what do we got there on the text line? I'm sick of the Cardinals waiting for Dylan Carlson to learn to hit. If he has a bad spring, dump him. We're going to need him. Yeah. Yeah, If Tommy Edmond is out, you're going to need him. Yeah. But he's got to learn how to hit, Dan. Well, I think that's, I I would say from one side of the plate, 
one side of the plate is much weaker than the other, but in terms of what he does defensively, you're not going to lose much, if any, with Dylan Carlson in center. I would just like to see him get better from one side of the plate. I agree with you. Rock and Brooke are laughing at he's, each other. What's the deal? He's laughing at my text because somebody wanted to know, Randy, you didn't say the lineup for the show today. And so I said, 8 oh. o'clock, is MJ better than LeBron? 8.30, will Bronny be better than LeBron? <laughs> I was giving him the light. Isn't that what we're talking about God, today? That's, that's amazing, all that I prepared that for. So I hope that's what we're talking about. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you all just chose MJ over LeBron because you, you wanted him taking the last shot. Found my keys. Obviously, you're paying attention to Matthew as you look at your key. You have checked out for the last four minutes of this show. Well, here's the thing. As it turns out, I had, I, I had to press the little button that said find. There you go. <laughs> and I, I, you were saying you didn't figure that out before. I this show no is going off the rails today. Sometimes I think that just happened. me. You got to oh, see. God, I can't this <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Oh, <laughs> Sing me the LeBron song. Sing, come on, sing me the LeBron song. There's got plenty of endorsements, though. Well, no, sorry, he, you didn't let oh, me. Fi- you didn't let me finish the sick of it. Okay. <laughs> he was like, he, he said, you guys all just chose MJ over LeBron because you want him taking the last shot, but I'm dumb for wanting Kobe over LeBron for the exact same reason. I'm sick of it. You guys can have LeBron. I'm taking Kobe. You can have Kobe. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Michael. Uh, well, so we're all agreeing on Michael. Being, yes. Okay. Yes. This is stupid, dumb, ridiculous radio. Yep. Uh, mm. So, but yeah, it's a six one half dozen of the other. I, you know what? I love that. You can you can have Kobe, and I'll take LeBron, and we'll have a hell of a series. I just and I, I just want to, I know it's dumb, but Back still, if you want to talk about who's better in the clutch, statistically, LeBron is a forty six percent shooter in the clutch, and Kobe was a thirty five percent shooter in the clutch. Remember a series against Detroit where LeBron had like twenty four consecutive points in a playoff game? It was unreal. Yeah, was I do remember like that. Third year in the league as he dragged a yeah. team of nobodies yep. to a yep. cha- to a championship berth. Yeah, pretty awesome. You know what, Randy? The 618 just said, I have them on our remotes, too. Never look for a remote ever again. And oh, that would yeah. be right up your alley. Totally. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have like eight TVs in your basement, right? Uh, no, just a couple. Okay. In the house. One, two, three, four, five, seven. Seven. Yeah. But you've got it set up where you got like a big screen and then another TV if you got a couple games going yeah. on. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. It is important. We had that day the other day where we had five games going at once. Did you have five TVs? No, I was actually at one of the games. Oh, okay. Did you uh, <laughs> record them? Uh, no, I, 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 I will. This re-watch. is hold on. This is coming from the guy that'll go back and watch on YouTube some football game from 1974. Will, There's yeah, nothing no, weird I, about that. I, I hold on a second. There's there nothing are, weird about that. Yes, there is. Yep. Just let it go. Yeah. No, I, it's I, time to move yeah. on, Rock. I shouldn't be watching Bad Boys Pistons games. Hmm. I watch Larry Bird highlights. Oh yeah. I'll just All do the long. quick highlight package. Oh, yeah. So I've been watching this uh, Patriots documentary. Is it good? I need to start watching that. It's good, but they spent essentially an entire show on their win over the Rams in Super Bowl 36, and I threw up again. (laughs) Uh, For now, how many years? 2002? 12 years. And I've only watched it a couple times, but I I literally threw up in my mouth because it was so awful. Is Mm. there anything shocking yet? 22 years. Or new that you learned? Um, You know every play coming, Randall. Yeah, I do. Well, they, you know what they never show is they never show 
Brady's uh, the what? The intentional grounding. The intentional grounding, exactly. Hmm. Just, uh, the easiest call in the world because they wanted the Patriots to win. And even uh, I-, I was glad to hear Mike Martz finally in uh, in public say, "Hey, uh, Belichick, to his credit." told his players keep holding because they aren't going to call it in the Super Bowl. They don't want a four-hour Super Bowl. And Mike, Mike said that on the record, so, so I was glad to, because we all knew that. And we've, you know, people that have been around know that uh, we've had those discussions. It just sucks. Randy was the first person to ever mention the intentional grounding thing to me, and that was in 2022, so 20 years mm-hmm. after the Super Bowl. And I've been angry about it like like every week since Randy told me like a year and a half ago. You want another thing that from that game? Not that it would have made any difference. Vinatieri started that 47-yard field goal with seven seconds on the clock, and the clock ran out. Uh, I did notice that. Yeah, and they changed the rule after that, that, that a, a field goal cannot last longer than four seconds. Yep. I, uh, 314 says, I rewatched game six of the 2011 World Series. That's a good one to rewatch. I wouldn't rewatch the first, like, five or six innings because it was awful. Yeah, David Freeze wouldn't want you to. And then it turned into <laughs> one of the greatest games that you've ever seen yeah. in your life. Yep. That's baseball. Pretty much everybody that has been around baseball a long time agrees that Game 6 in 2011 is the greatest World Series game ever played. I'd say it is. I mean, you had Don Larson's perfect game. Mm -hmm. You had Game 6 of the 1986 Mets and Red Sox. Mm -hmm. That was pretty awesome. Um, 1975 Game 6, the Fisk home run. Yeah, that's another one where the rat or mouse is... Chewing up on a cord of where the camera would normally be <laughs> to follow the play, and instead, because they didn't have the shot, because it got the the rat ate into the cord, so the the uh, camera went out. So they had the the great look at Carlton Fisk mm-hmm. waving it fair. It Amazing. was awesome. It was one, cool. one last thing here. Somebody texted in and said that Danny did a yo-ho on the fast lane yesterday. It's not technically true. Okay. Um, what? Well, <laughs> it's not yeah. technically true. Yourself, okay. sir. Let's get the technicality out yeah, of the way please, here. Please. So I said. Uh, <laughs> It was Anthony, and he started going, okay, here's the text line number. And I said, yo. And before I got the hoe out, they said, um, don't do it. No, we don't do that on this show. No. Was it? That's amazing. Well, so here's, here's I stopped. So it's, I got you on a technicality. I did not do the full. And this is going to count right now of the full yo-ho. Oh, I you, did not you, do you it. That's it. a full one right there. So here's the thing. And we love Anthony and Carrie and, uh, and Jamie. Great group, group of guys. And you know what? When they're away from the microphone, they are really fun. But when they get here behind the microphone, it's just all serious, all numbers, no yo-ho. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, no, they have a little fun on that show, don't they? Yeah, they do. Little, little yeah, bit. it's yeah. awesome. A little, little bit. A lot uh, of fun. Matthew, you want to give me one more? Do you have one more segment? No, I do not. Okay. Okay, I'll find one. I'll find one. Okay. Oh, we got dumb ones? Oh, wait, I got one. Uh, this is from the YouTube chat. I like pulling from here from the YouTube. I'm sick of MLB brass. It's not that hard. Just fix the damn uniforms. Shouldn't be that hard. Did you get rid of all of last year's uniforms? Just bring back <laughs> last year's uniforms. It's not that hard. What did they do with them? I, that is a good question. Yeah, I don't you know. could. If you're a player, could you just... Well, it'd be very obvious it's a different uniform. That's the only issue Especially there. when you turned over 25 or 50% of your roster like the Cardinals did. <laughs> I think they will fix it. I just don't think it's going to be in enough time before opening day. I mean, that's 
a lot of work that goes in for our buddy Mark Walsh down yeah. there and the support staff of the mm-hmm. Cardinals. And that's just one team. I, I can't see them getting the, all those ready by opening day. No, it's it's really stupid. And, Brooke, just in 15 seconds here, tell us what Michael has said yesterday about the jerseys. Really a good thing that I hadn't thought of. Miles Michaelis, he, of course, as we know, has talked about how he's not the biggest fan of the jerseys, and so he elaborated on it just a little bit more yesterday. And he talked about how it was hard to see the opposing pitcher's name on the back of the jersey, and he's thinking about the visually impaired and how that will be hard for him during games, which is a fair point. The lettering is so small and just strange looking to me. There are there. certain guys that just sweat a lot. He's one of them. I go yeah. back to Chris Carpenter. Chris Carpenter, before a start, he, he had a lot of anxiety. He, he mm-hmm. I've talked to him about this, and Chris would actually go after the first inning and go. He had problems keeping food down, and then he would change his jersey top sometimes depending how long he stayed in the game like three different times yeah Mm -hmm. you know and these are i was watching with michaelis he was so sweaty you're seeing through his jersey yeah it's just not a good look denny's reyes denny's reyes big sweat (laughs) (laughs) that was a nickname yeah big sweat he would not enjoy these jerseys which took a lot of cloth but even if you aren't a big sweater just think about summertime all those guys go through the jerseys they have to change them multiple times typically esteban yan Oh, ho, ho. he had it dripping off the bill of his cap like it was looking like it was raining out. <laughs> One of the all-time great stories. Esteban Yan was here in 2003. Walt brought in Esteban. Cardinal bullpen sucked at the time. Things were just not going well. And Walt, on the same day, signs Esteban Yan and Pedro Borbone Jr. I, was, I couldn't forget the. Uh, I yeah. couldn't remember the lefty. That's right. And uh, we're ha- we've got a game here, midsummer. Uh, and a uh, big sweaty Esteban Yang comes into the game. And it, he, it was established. They'd been here two and a half, three weeks. And w- there was a reason that they were out there and able to be signed. <laughs> and Tony Tony brings in Esteban Yang. He's walking back to the dugout. And you could tell. He's looking up at a, a Walt's box saying, okay, well, you got him for me. Here, you get to watch him pitch. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like when Andy Bennis came back to St. Louis. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, now, that's yeah. a little different story. Andy was frustrated that he wasn't with the Cardinals. But I remember him specifically walking off the mound, and he's dealing with Arizona and looks up at the box in the front yep, office yep. of the Cardinals like, okay, here you go. Yep. Could've I did it. Could have had this. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's sick of it here on 101 ESPN. Coming up. The Chiefs are the champions on the field, but what about off the field? Not great. That's next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Each year after the season, the NFLPA polls its players as to how teams are doing in terms of treating players. And this poll is released prior to free agency to give players a guide as to the quality of the franchise that they are talking to. Uh, And yesterday, the poll came out and... The Washington Commanders, as you might guess, are right at the bottom of the list. Uh, if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan, the Cardinals did not fare well in uh, in this poll. And the Miami Dolphins were way up at the top. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings were way up at the top. And shockingly, another team that was at the bottom with Washington and Arizona was the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, their ownership is regarded as terrible. They got a D-plus in terms of how they treat families. And Clark Hunt, the owner, was listed as an F-minus among the players. By the way, Andy Reid was the top-rated head coach among the group. But it was really interesting for me to see that Kansas City was rated so poorly by players in the NFL. Yikes. That was my first reaction to it. And for those who are wondering, why does this exactly matter? I think some context here by J.J. Watt is very important. Mm -hmm. He tweeted this out. In meetings, when they hand out voting sheets for Pro Bowl, Top 100, etc., we have seen many just toss in the trash, put it down, put down only friends' names, make a rookie fill it out, etc. The two I've seen taken the most seriously are the team captains and also the NFLPA ownership facility report cards. That's what that adds some context to this about how seriously these players are taking it. What does it tell you guys about the Chiefs that they rank so low in so many of those reports? They win a lot of championships. Mm-hmm. I don't think they care. That would be my guess. I would imagine that front offices and ownership groups look at this and just scoff at it and just say, whatever. I mean, some of this was about daycare and. Uh, how the families are treated, that they had to pay for a little bit mm-hmm. of daycare. Some was about the quality of the chairs that people sat in. I think ownership looks at it and goes, come on. They do, but if you are, and winning has a lot to do with this, because there are players that will see this and say, I, I want to go play with Patrick Mahomes. I don't care. I'll, I want to play for Reed and Mahomes. But as an example, you're a free agent, and the Arizona Cardinals and the Miami Dolphins are offering the exact same contract to you, everything else being equal, Go to Miami because of the way, the way McDaniel and the Dolphins treat their players. If Arizona, D-plus for the way of treatment of families, D for the cafeteria, they're the only team in the league that requires their players to pay for food while they're at work. And even if the players want to get a carryout box at the end of the day, uh, they're the only team that doesn't provi- provide nutrition for their players. And by the, by the way, their nutrition uh, nutritionist is rated badly, too. Locker room. Dan, you talk, to, talk about the chairs and the, the technology and the, the availability of things in the locker room. They get an F. Training staff is a, an F for the Cardinals. Weight room is a C-. minus. Players want to have a, a good, comfortable weight room. Owner is an F. And I, I do think that that can make a difference. Has it made a difference for the Dolphins or the Vikings winning a Super Bowl lately? No, but 
if you want to get good players, I would think that that's a big way to go about it. I think that it does matter. Now, it, there has been some reports that with the Chiefs, they're saying that basically with their facility that they have won so much that they haven't had enough time to maybe update a lot of the things in the ways that they want to. But it's interesting because you also have the Chiefs looking to make some upgrades and they're asking for some public funding in doing so. Have you guys seen the latest reports on mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I'm with you, though, Randy. Go go ahead. What were we going to say? I, I was just going to say that uh, the, the, the Royals are, are going to move and the, the Chiefs will have plenty of opportunity to expand and improve the facilities. They practice at Arrowhead. They'll, they'll have plenty of opportunities to fix this stuff. And they've made a lot of money over the last few years. So if I'm a player and if everything, like you said, is equal, I got the Denver Broncos and I got the uh, Miami Dolphins. I'm looking at it from the perspective of me. Where can I max? My window is short, and how do I maximize my ability on the field? So if that means that it's technology, that's something that's important to me. Weight room would be very important to me, and a nutritionist would be very important to me. Those are the three things I'd look at maybe more so than anything. Also, the the quality of the coach on which side of the ball I'm yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Th- those would be very important things for me to as me, I look that's forward. that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the head coaching report card. I'm looking at that very closely. And it's not surprising who got the lowest grade because it was McDaniel, right? Mm-hmm. Who got it for the Raiders, who is gone now. Right. And so Josh McDaniels. Josh yeah. McDaniels. Excuse me. Josh McDaniels. He got the lowest grade. And then you also had ownership wise, Dan Snyder. That is part of the the commander's grading as well as why they were so low is because they were still counting Dan Snyder in that era. You luckily mm-hmm. have new ownership coming in. So hopefully that will change. But I think there are some eye opening things there, to say the least, from the report cards. I want to see that they're investing in me, mm-hmm. too. Yes. Uh, I'm not so worried about like we talked about some of the the chairs and some of the daycare and all that stuff. But are you investing in me to make me a better player? Because my average shelf life in this deal is about three and a half mm-hmm. years. So make me a better player. To that point, I think one of the fascinating things was if you go to the individual ones and you scroll down, you start getting into, like, they have some coach rankings and things like that. Yep. And like you said, Andy Reid was one of the highest ones there. The Belichick breakdown was just everything about that mm-hmm. was amazing. 55% said that he wasn't efficient with his time with them. And uh, like less than half felt that they were like trying to, like, actually improve on a daily basis. And that was 31st in the league in both of those categories. So, I mean, maybe it wasn't just Belichick, but maybe it definitely was. 618 <laughs> says players ultimately care about two things, money, yep, and opportunity to play. Mm-hmm. Yep, and the opportunity to play means I'm going to make more money, potentially. Yeah, right. And I agree. Yeah. I mean, all the other stuff, the peripheral stuff, yeah, it, it's it's. Un- I think it's interesting for us to talk about, but ultimately, do these players care? Probably not. By the way, the L.A. Rams ownership rated number twenty-two of the thirty-two teams. Their head coach is rated fourth, and that brings them up there. The, the L.A. Rams are twentieth. The L.A. Chargers are ranked thirtieth, and they're opening a new facility, so things should change dramatically for the Chargers. But uh, they get an F for food. They get an F for their locker room. That part of that is their current training facility. D-plus for their training room. They get a D-plus for their weight room. This is the Chargers. D-minus for team travel. That was the interesting thing about the two L.A. teams. D-minus for the Chargers. A for the Rams. Interesting. Wow. 
I wonder what the difference would be. I mean, you're on chartered flights, mm -hmm. so what would be the difference? I mean, I guess yeah. space on the plane mm -hmm. for That's the private plane, I, I would think that would be it. Even where they're sitting, because I think yeah. that was one of the things that was noted is that sometimes the players, I guess, had to sit in a different area or in the back of the plane while the staff got to sit in the front of the plane. Maybe it's just little tedious details, which I think you're right, Dan, a lot of people don't want to hear that stuff, <laughs> especially when you know how much some of these players make. But I do think that it's interesting because according to J.J. Watt and others, this is something that the players actually look at and take mm -hmm. very seriously. Yeah. Wouldn't you look at a training staff as a very important yes. thing? Keep yeah. me on the field some way, somehow. No Keep doubt me on the it. field. Yeah, uh, You can see all of the team's ratings at NFLPA.com. NFLPA.com, right at the, top, at the top of the page. They have all of the report cards for every NFL team. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, yo -ho. Take it or leave it. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Dan, Matthew, and Randy. Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Kids, Dateline, Ave Maria, Florida, about 35 miles northeast of Naples. 13 days ago, a couple just playing a quick round of golf, playing 18 holes. It's a nice serene day in Ave Maria, Florida, when all of a sudden a gator starts charging this couple's golf cart. Now, uh, by the way, I've been there. Oh, with the gator charging you? No, I've seen gators when I'm playing golf down there, but I've been to Ave Maria. Oh, okay. It's beautiful. Okay. Well, uh, here's what happened. Uh, the, the gator did not bite them. Uh, a, a second cart came rolling through, and the gator charged, attemp attempting to take a bite out of the driver, who was clearly startled, but drove away. Take it or leave it. If this happened to you, if you're in Florida playing golf and you're on the 13th hole and the gator charges your cart and tries to take a bite out of you, take it or leave it, you play the final six holes. No, I, I'm done. I'm I, scared after that. I play that. it. I take really? it. I'm playing it too. You wouldn't be completely freaked out? Ah, that gator's going to leave you alone. I'm just telling you. I played golf down there one time where it looked like a fake gator. So the, um, the fairway went from right to left like went downhill so if you hit it right it still would walk or still would roll downhill and the gator was enormous and was like making a semicircle sunning on the grass it collect all the balls would collect right by him and i told somebody i said go get your ball i said it's a big gator <laughs> went down and the thing moved and he about lost it and he said i'm done and i said no you're not i said you're going to drop a ball here we're going to continue to play because we have money going so I made sure that he played. What are you shaking your head at? Don't mess with apex predators. That is a dinosaur. It's been here a for dinosaur. a million years. Ah, you'll be fine. Longer than you, and it's going to be here when you're not. Don't mess with it. You'll be fine, Rob. Do Rock. not tempt fate with There's dinosaurs. No That's uh, Danny and I played a few years ago. Oh, That's, right. That's, That's a dinosaur. No. Oh, I'm my out. word. I'm out. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Whose ball was that? I don't remember. Brett Barnes. Thing, yeah, that thing's a foot away from a gator. 
Yeah. There's absolutely no way. Here, here, I'd be here's doing a that. photo of Brad Barnes. Why is he putting his hands so close yeah, to it? Yeah, let me put it up uh, by the screen. There's there, our buddy Brad Barnes. He's probably listening. I yeah. need to know why. Yeah, Brad. Getting Barnes. ready to try to pet again. Yeah, he was really trying to you know live the nickname there, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> what meat? Yeah, meat. Yeah. He, was, he was trying to live the nickname there. Yeah, there, there's the, uh, the that's the gator that we were right next to. And by the way, there's so the wife of the owner of the course. What they got married on the course, and uh, she wanted swans for their wedding, and our. Uh, Caddy was telling us that uh, one of the groundskeepers said, no, you really don't want to put swans out because you're getting married at noon and the swans will have to be out there at night and you don't want to have them waiting out there. And she said, no, I do. And they didn't tell her what was going to happen to the swans. <laughs> they come out the next morning and there's a bunch of white feathers. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah that ruined things yeah. for right. me. Well, I came across the story last night and it apparently was something that Rob Manfred had talked about back in October. And I missed this. He is considering lowering the maximum of 13 pitchers per team to 12. Take it or leave it. You actually like that idea, but you can't see the Players Association going with it. I like it because then it would force, to an extent, managers to keep their starter yes. in longer than uh, they do right now. So if you're shortened up in your bullpen, you got a couple of guys down, then you got to be forced to maybe tell your starter, hey, you've given us a great three innings. We need you for about two more. Mm-hmm. You didn't pick up on the sarcasm. Uh, you guys didn't pick I, up on I, the sarcasm. I, I did. Yeah, I, I, I did, Dan. Okay. Uh, I don't like it. I love it. Yep, me too. I think it would be great for the game. One, if you're talking about the time of the game, which is something that Rob Manfred has been working on, I like the pitch clock a lot. I didn't think I was going to like it, but I actually noticed a little bit of a difference in the games last year. And I think it just puts more of an emphasis on the starting pitchers and making them even bigger stars. So I see a lot of benefits in this. What if so. you, uh, in the DH world now at Major League Baseball is that if you take out your starter, you lose your DH. I like that a lot. Yeah. So it forces yeah. you to keep, keep you want to keep the pitcher. Yeah, in. you want to keep the bat in the lineup, yep. then uh, make sure you keep the pitcher in. Okay, I'm going to stick with baseball oh, can here. Can I give you one quick one? Well, of uh, course you can, can Randy. It's your show. A, a back in our day? Yeah. Back, back in our day. 1985. No. <laughs> the Cardinals rotation was Tudor, Andorhar, Cox, and Kepshire. They respectively made 36, 38, 35, and 29 starts. Bob Forsch was a swing man who made 19 starts. They had Lottie, Horton, Daly, and Campbell in the bullpen. You had a, a, a four-man rotation, essentially. Four-and-a-half-man rotation and a four-and-a-half-man bullpen. They had a nine-man pitching staff. And they went to the World Series and won 101 games during the regular season. Dan, go. Okay, I don't think that we give Tony Gwynn enough credit. I love looking at like weird stats, mm-hmm. and I'm we all know he's a great hitter. I don't think we understand how great of a hitter he was and great athlete. Tony Gwynn played college basketball. He has more assists in college than strikeouts in his 20-year major league career. <laughs> wow. Take it or leave it, we do not give him enough credit for the great athlete that he was. Because when you look at him, I mean, he got bigger when he played major league mm-hmm. baseball, but... He was thin, slender, and an amazing college athlete. So I don't think, take it or leave it, we give him enough credit for the athlete that he was. Oh, I'm going to take that. Think about that. More assists in college basketball than strikeouts in a 20-year major league career. It's amazing. He had multiple five-year runs where he had fewer strikeouts in five years than Mark Reynolds had in one. He would come through St. Louis, and every time he came through St. Louis, which was one time a year, mm-hmm. uh, he made it a point that he would go out to lunch with Stan the Man every time yep. that they were here. And man, I would have been a—I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in those conversations. And here's mm-hmm. Tony Gwynn. You mentioned once a year. You walk in. I, I would walk in, and he, here he is signing a five-foot, 
tall stack of dozens of baseballs, probably, what, uh, four, five, 20 dozen baseballs. He, he signed them. But you walk in, and you go, hey, Randy, how you doing? Yes. And he remembered everybody's <laughs> name. He was like the nicest guy in the world. He was ahead of the game with video. He was he was the guy. The, the guy. I remember I said before a game, can I interview you, Tony? He said, absolutely. He said, we can either do it after the game or before the game tomorrow. And I said, I'm looking for 10 to 15 minutes. He said, no problem, because I love this baseball town. Mm -hmm. So I walked in after the game. It's like an hour after the game. He's there with his brother. Remember, he played with his brother. Chris. And he had the huge VCR watching his at-bats. And he said, hey, I I got just a couple more minutes to look at this video, and then we can knock out whatever you want. I get goosebumps thinking about that. Can you imagine a player today doing that? No. No. Not a chance. Mm -hmm. He he was amazing. One other quick note from Tony Gwynn. I asked him one time, there was were, were always rumors about him coming here because he did love St. Louis and mm-hmm. uh, the Padres were down and I said, you think he'll ever wind up here? He goes, man, I'm just a Padre. <laughs> yes. He's from San Diego and he loved being a Padre. You know what was so disappointing was that the night that, it, you'll never have a night like this, McGuire was going for 500 and Tony Gwynn was going for hit number 3,000 in the same game. McGuire wow. got it off of Andy Ashby, hit the home run number 500, and Tony Gwynn did not get a base hit. And unfortunately for him, depending on how you look at it, his 3,000th hit was in Montreal yeah. in front of a sparse crowd. Um, I, I just I would have loved to have seen him get it in a baseball town like this. Would have been an amazing night. By the way, you did uh, the the game. Was it uh, Clemens three hundred four thousand? Yes, yes. And his four thousandth strikeout yeah. was Edgar Renteria, and he was matched up. By the way, against our buddy Jason Simontacci, mm-hmm. who made the start that night on a very misty, rainy, gloomy New York night. It yeah. was like Gotham, and he picked up those two uh, major milestones. Three hundred wins, four thousand strikeouts. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals' future infield is Donovan, Gorman, Wynn, and Walker. Donovan, Gorman. Donovan, Wynn, Gorman, Walker. Um, Donovan. So you um, play Donovan oh, at sorry. second? I guess it would be yeah. Gorman, Wynn, Donovan, Walker. So you put Donnie yeah. at third, Gorman at second, Wynn at short, and then Walker at first. I think I would do yeah. Gorman at third. That's what, yeah, that, that, that was yeah. the second one I Gorman said. Gorman, Wynn. Yeah, I can see that. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. I'll take that as well. Yeah. Uh, take it or leave it. If the NFL really wants to improve player satisfaction, just bring back big open jars of painkillers. Take it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Say that again. I said, if, take it or leave it. If the NFL really wants to improve player satisfaction, they just need to bring back giant open jars of painkillers. <laughs> hey, that used to be the thing. When yeah. I would go down to the stadium on Saturday mornings to record pregame shows with, with Jack Buck, we, he obviously had entree to go everywhere, and we would go into the trainer's room, and there were literally five, six jars of pills, and players could go and grab a handful, whatever they wanted. It was and amazing. Back in the day with baseball, you could grab different things, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, way back. Now, yeah. I'm not talking about even 20 years ago. I'm talking about 30, 40 years ago, mm-hmm. things to keep you on the field and uh, maybe things to make sure that you stayed awake yep. and were ready to go. Speaking of Tony Gwynn. <laughs> Yeah, maybe so. I was wondering if we were, were going to get a joke in there today. Uh, one last one. Take it or leave it. Kevin Hayes is tracking to be the worst free agent signing in the Doug Armstrong era. He wasn't a free agent signing. He was traded he for. So yeah. we'll have to leave it we'll for leave that. It. Yeah. It was, was interesting. What did we give up? A six, six round pick? Maybe? Yeah, I think that's what it was. And I think he is like number 22 on Greg Wyshynski's top 50 trade targets as we 22. head to the deadline. Yeah. 22 surprised me a little bit. Yeah. Yes. But he's cheap. Philadelphia is paying half of his salary. So 
At least we got that going for us, which is nice. I do like this take it or leave it if we have time. Yeah. 314 says, uh, if Danny Mac keeps playing golf in Florida, he will become the next Chubbs Peterson. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take that. Get off my damn hand. Uh, coming up, if you could know the truth, and we want you to text in here, if you could know the truth about any sports scandal, and you get to determine whether or not it's a scandal, what would you want to know the uh, truth about? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's 8.06 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. What would you like to know the truth about that happened in sports? Brooke, Dan, Matthew, Randy, and you, we want your mic drops because we're going to revisit this coming up at 9.30 with mic drops and your texts right now. Guys, I want to know what the philosophical differences between Mike Schilt and the Cardinals were. Yes, and that counts as a sports scandal because in my Mm -hmm. opinion, it was a scandal because of how well that season went for him, especially towards the end and it just really felt like it came out of nowhere i feel like we all know bits and details i want to know the full story every little detail of what happened there me too well we're gonna find out how uh, fired up mike schilt is at the beginning of the season yes we'll, that'll be the second series for the st louis cardinals i went with uh shoeless joe jackson Ooh, and yeah. the 1919 white Sox. Black Sox scandal, if you will. They lost to the Cincinnati Reds. Shoeless Joe Jackson had a a huge series. Remember, this was, I guess, seven players that, in exchange for money from a gambling uh, syndicate led by Arnold Rothstein, they were receiving $5,000. Now, Shoeless Joe Jackson had a great World Series. That's something to keep in mind in terms of what he did. He had 12 base hits, which set a series record that wasn't broken until the Cardinals series in 1964, but there were nine triples hit by the Reds, three of them going in left field where he played. Now, Mm -hmm. he did not have any errors, but that was one of the talks of that. I've read books on this, is that they felt that the outfielders were out of position, and he was such a good fielder, but three of the nine triples were hit his way and maybe, quote-unquote, misplayed a bit. But I'd love to know about specifically Shoeless Joe Jackson. That's a good one. Mine is one that a lot of people are texting in right now, and I think it's a really, really good one. I would love to know the full true story behind Michael Jordan's retirement. I put Mm -hmm. the retirement in air quotes from basketball, of course. I want to know the full story behind that because there's so many conspiracy theories out there. Of course, as you guys know, gambling is a big theory that people have floated out there as well. I would love to know the full story behind that one. All right. Uh, Your texts here on 101 ESPN. Matthew, what are, you, what are you seeing on the text line? What was on that Patriots videotape? Oh, yes. that's a good one. That uh, The commissioner had burned before anybody saw it. Do we know officially if he had it burned? He did, yeah. They, they actually... Uh, I, I'm actually, asking a serious not, not question. Not burned. They, they, were, they were hammered. Okay. They were, they were destroyed before anybody could see them because you don't, if you're the commissioner of a league, you don't want the result of a Super Bowl to be changed because of malfeasance and then known about. It's one thing to have it happen, but then if people know about it, then you got real problems. I like the 573 here. The pandemic really dimmed the light on this, but I would love to know all the details on the Astro scandal from 2019 Mm -hmm. and also to know how many other organizations were utilizing similar processes that never came to light. 
I don't think that teams went as far as to bang trash cans, mm-hmm. but I would bet it was widespread around Major League Baseball. Some type of way to get an edge. Yeah, I would think so. When you look back at that, isn't it a little weird where you didn't think that you would notice it until you go back and all that footage came out where you could hear the banging of the trash cans? It's like, why did nobody else notice this Notice this a little bit sooner? Yeah, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. You, you, that nobody With the banging, that it really didn't come to light until after Mike Fires came forward and said, yeah, we were yeah, it was. If everybody would, if you're an Astro, you're going. What do you stop? Yeah, don't say anything. Yeah, there's been times too where uh, players have been in the batter's box and maybe a light is flickering in mm-hmm. center field. Yeah. Somebody sees the signs and toot 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 toot. Then they know something off speed, curveball, fastball. I mean that that's happened a bunch. I would also like to know how long we had an NFL team but really didn't have it. But yeah, what year were they going to yeah, move? When was it a done deal? And who knew? And what did they? What did they know? And when did they know it? I want to know more about the steroid era. Yeah, I just want to know maybe those that would come to light with it, and how prevalent was it in the game? It seemed to be very prevalent, but um, did people just kind of turn a blind eye to it in high level mm-hmm. positions, knowing that people were coming back to the ballpark? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Ooh, this one. The, this one from the three and four. I want a full Florida Gators look. Irvin, Tebow, Hernandez, etc. Oh, there was a pretty good documentary on them, and I can't remember the I name. I know what you're talking about, but they didn't give like the full. I think people were expecting a little bit more there because there was that was such a weird dynamic with that team. You have Hernandez, yeah. and then you have Tim Tebow, totally opposite ends of the spectrum. Was it Riley Cooper, the receiver that went to the Eagles? Yeah. So correct, and, and the the meme so. A preacher, a racist, and a murderer walk into mm. a bar, and it's got a photo of all three of them on the field. <laughs> what else you got on the text line, Matthew? Another one says, I want to know all the draft scandals in the NBA, whether it's the frozen envelope mm-hmm. or how many times they rigged it for the Cavaliers. I want to know what's going on with the NBA and the draft lottery. I love that one. I think I would love to know that, too. How about MJ Game 5? There's some people mm-hmm. that said against Utah that the food may have been dabbled with uh-huh. or something to make him sick. I'd also want to know why MJ stepped away. Yeah. How about? Oh yeah, no doubt about it. Yep. And how about this one? How about uh, that Thanksgiving night with Tiger and Elon to know what really happened? Ooh. Oh, that's. I I knew that that one would probably come up. Uh huh. Possibly. Oh, and then there was another one. We got the text. What really happened with Delonte West and uh, LeBron's mom? <laughs> oh, oh come on, Randy. I want to know. <laughs> no, it's a rumor. How about another one for you? If we're talking about those kind of scandals, uh-huh. Bobby Petrino, the motorcycle accident, what fully happened in yeah. that situation yeah. at tough. Arkansas? Great Halloween costume, too, if you're yeah. looking for one. Yeah. Do we have any other good local ones? Oh, yeah, we do. What? You, know, you don't want to go too deep into this. But, oh, yeah, no. no there were I know where you're going with There this. were other ones, yeah. But, yeah, let's uh, just leave it at that. Yeah, just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So why did the Blues really have to trade a Hall of Famer? I know where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. What about the NHL making sure that Chicago had the number one pick? Thank you. There's another Darn. one. Thank, Thank you very you. much, Danny Mac. You know, just saying. Yep. You know, it's worked out for the Blackhawks major market. Put them in there. Turn around the Blackhawks. Great for TV ratings. Eh, mm. Things like that happen. How about this one for you, Randy? Was uh, was there some uh, something illegal, something uh, kind of weirdly done with the Dallas Cowboys back when they used to beat the Cardinals in certain <laughs> crazy Come called on. games? We know. We know. <laughs> 
America's blanking team. Give me a break. <laughs> oh, and <laughs> seeing the phantom call wasn't a, just a missed, just a oops, my bad. Yeah, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Uh, have you ever seen in the history of the National Football League? And you guys have watched a lot of football games. Have you ever seen a measurement t- take place with the football lying sideways? No. That happened in a Cardinal Cowboy game. Oh, yeah. The ball laying sideways. It wasn't laying pointed towards the goalpost. It was laying sideways, and they measured that way, and it wound up being a half inch short. <laughs> Things like that happen, Randy. It's just well, human error, okay? There was coincidental. The other one that is intriguing, and I know we're getting into death again, but what really happened with Ray Lewis in the limo? It's worthy of discussion. He spent, it's worthy. I like how you phrase yeah, that. He, he spent a summer in jail, <laughs> and he was wearing a white suit that disappeared. So. Yeah. Randy, did you text this one in? I'm going to try to change the subject to, from the 314. What actually happened between Marcus and Larsa? That's a big sports. Oh, God. Here we go. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. We have the fight coming up. Yep. We got uh, Celebrity Line with Jeremy Rutherford. And we, hey, do want, we do want mic drops on this for Spring training report. What, what uh, sports curiosity do you, do you have? trade deadline. And a scandal. Ooh, a new one. Michigan. Oh, the Connor Stallion. story. Was Connor really in on yeah. this just by himself? That's a good one. That's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for that documentary. I'm going to say it because um, you won't. But OJ's situation, I'd like to I know can't. more about Come that. On, Dan. Because I'm just going to beat you to the punch. We brought up this idea, and we couldn't even get it out of our mouths. And Randy, OJ. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm glad you took a stab at it. Oh, no. All right. This is 101 ESPN. And coming up, it's Jeremy Rutherford. It's time for a DraftKings at Casino Queen Redbird report on 101 ESPN. Hey everyone, it's Brooke here for your Redbird Report. Last year's opening day starter for the Cardinals, Miles Michaelis, with his first start of the spring yesterday against the Mets. Michaelis pitching two scoreless, allowing two hits, didn't walk a batter, and struck out one. Cardinals closer Ryan Helsley and non-roster reliever Victor Santos, who was acquired from the Red Sox as a part of that Tyler O'Neill trade, pitched one scoreless inning of relief each. Mets getting on the board in the fourth inning with Pete Alonso's solo home run off of JoJo Romero. The Mets coming away with a 3-0 shutout, limiting the Cardinals to just five hits. Your Redbirds will face the Nationals today. First pitch at 12.05 with Kyle Gibson on the mound. You can watch the game on Bally Sports Midwest. The Redbird Report is presented by DraftKings at Casino Queen. Play, stay, dine at DraftKings at Casino Queen. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Notes and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite contractor. Back in 2005, Mario Lemieux had battled cancer and come back. He was dealing with a bad back that would ultimately cause him to retire. And the National Hockey League thought it was just unfair that the Pittsburgh Penguins had this super duper star and that he was going to have to retire prematurely because of all of these ailments that he was dealing with. Lo and behold, rather than the team with the worst record in the NHL getting the top pick in the draft, it was the team that the league felt sorry for because Mario Lemieux was going to have to retire. So rather than winding up a St. Louis Blue, it wound up being 
Mario Lemieux's successor, Sidney Crosby, going to the Penguins. Joining us now to verify this account is Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider from The Athletic here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, JR. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning, guys. Yeah, no, I just wrapped up the investigation and uh, a lot of question marks around that. Uh, Sidney Crosby going to Pittsburgh. And you know what? As soon as I started to hear the name Connor Bedard a year or two ago, uh, immediately Blues fans said at the time, he will go to the Blackhawks, mark my word. And I said, oh, come on, come on. And so when the lottery balls came up, Chicago, like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, we knew it. We knew it. There was no doubt. Uh, JR, good effort by the Blues last night. You got to be pretty happy with the way things uh, transpired, right? Yeah, first of all, I got to say that, uh, did you guys see Evander Kane? You know, he was saying that uh, there was blood on, on his on his mouth when he got uh, cut last night. I saw that, yes. Yeah, he was acting like there was more blood in his mouth than there was at uh, Nicole Brown Simpson. Oh. <laughs> no. Yes. No. Oh, yeah. Awful. <laughs> yeah, another so Jim about Bandy, those blues. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah no, last night. He, he wasn't telling rough. the truth. Yeah. Uh, just in, in terms of telling the truth, he's bankrupt. <laughs> That's what he says, right? Yeah. <laughs> So about those yeah. blues. Yeah, I know Dan always wants to move on from OJ. You know, a, a good start last night, guys. Uh, you had to think that there was a response last night, scoring two goals in the first, uh, what, five minutes of, of the game. And we had the stat, you know, last seven games, they lost five of them. They've been outscored 12-3 to three in the first period. So, you know, this point in the season with this team, no need to keep throwing a bunch of numbers at you, but just uh, kind of that roller coaster where you think they're going to you know, turn in a, a performance that'll make you think that there's a little glimmer there, and then uh, they wind up losing it in the overtime. So, um, you know, I think that it doesn't really change heading into the deadline for me. I think that you look at their situation and with the guys that they could move, unless you're talking about one of these big names, guys with term on their contract, you know, I think maybe Doug starts to consider moving to Marco Scandella if if they can get something. But uh, I think I still think that uh, they're going to look at it like if they can get into the playoffs, they might hang on to a couple of those UFAs. So Jr. Blues five points out of the playoffs, out of a playoff spot right now. With Pavel Buchnevich, that is a name that is floating around there as a possible trade. What would you put percentage wise on him possibly being traded before the trade deadline? I just wouldn't go that high with him, and you know that's uh, you know it's. Uh, you know, I don't think that that's going to be a headline saying that just because you're talking about a, a week until that happens, uh, the deadline, March 8th, and, and you're talking about a situation that could be, you know, still up in the air, whether the Blues want to re-sign him, he wants to return, or they've decided to uh, to, to, to trade him. And, and I think the other thing, you know, Doug in the past has always – you know, worked on these things for a long time and, and waited to the next off season. And you, you get to next summer, and now all of a sudden maybe you got two or three, four other teams that are interested because they've got more cap space that they don't have right now. So uh, to me, I'd, I'd put a smaller percentage on it. You know, it, could it happen? Yeah, 30%. I don't know. But I, I think it's a situation where this thing is going to play out a little bit longer. It was interesting. ESPN's Greg Wyshynski has his top 50 trade targets as we head to the deadline. Number four, Pavel Buchnevich. Number 22, Kevin Hayes, and then Kasperi Kapanen was 45. What do you think of those rankings? 
Yeah, everybody's got their rankings right now, and I get it. You know, you got to put the guys whose names are in the headlines and also, uh, you know, a lot of UFAs, and then you have guys like Buchnevich who their name gets some traction too. You know, to me, if, if you're looking at uh, the Blues' assets in terms of what could bring something back, and now keep in mind, when I say this, people say, well, you forgot about Robert Thomas. Look, they're not trading Robert Thomas. We're talking about guys like Buchnevich who've got a year left, and there's a question, would you bring him back eight years times whatever, $8 million per year? So, you know, I think you look at these rankings and Buchnevich's name is going to stay on there until the deadline passes. After that, besides the UFAs, Dan, like the like the Kapanins, the, uh, the, the Scandellas, the Sunquist, like I don't know what else the Blues have that people would want. So you, you mentioned these names like a, a Kevin Hayes. You know, he's going through a tough time. Like I, I think if I'm a Blues fan, I'm wondering – you know, how do you move him? Is that possible? Capping in a healthy scratch last night, if you put him on waivers today, he wouldn't get picked up. So I don't know how you could say that he's a guy uh, that you want to trade. So after Buchnevich, in terms of the guys you'd really consider trading, I just don't think they have anything to offer. That's what I was going to ask you about. We saw reduced ice time recently for Kasperi Kapanen, and then we saw that he was a healthy scratch last night. What do you think that is going on with him currently? and What have you seen from him? I don't know. He seemed to be a little rejuvenated when he got to St. Louis from Pittsburgh when the Blues picked him up uh, off waivers. Uh, I just don't think he's a top six forward, and that's where the Blues had a hole at. So they played him on that second line on the right side, and he didn't produce. Now, he does a lot of things that make you think, okay, he's a good player, decent player, but then he doesn't finish. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's got 15 points this season, and he's played on the second line most of the year. And then you see a mistake like we saw a couple nights ago in, in Winnipeg where he needs to get the puck deep and didn't. So to me, I don't see how he has a future with the Blues. His contract ends this year. If he's not picked up by somebody, which I wouldn't anticipate, I would just think he'd kind of drift into the sunset this offseason. Jr. Do any of the Blues young players, and this includes Jake Neighbors, but will include Snuggerud, will include Dvorsky, uh, anybody that's in their system, do they project as a superstar? I think, aside from Robert Thomas, and this is all due respect to Butchnevich and Kairou and even Colton Pareko, but the Blues are missing star power right now. Can one of these young players that's on the horizon provide star power, or are the Blues going to have to go out and find that guy? Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, conversation. I know you've you've had that in the past. You've made that point that they need a superstar, and you know I agree with you. You can have a team like 2019, Randy, where you know you've got a lot of good players, maybe a couple great ones, but there wasn't necessarily a superstar. I mean, unless you're talking about an O'Reilly, Petrangelo, but I don't know that those guys were seen like that even that season uh, in the NHL. But you do need one. I mean, look at some of the teams around the league over the years with the Canes, Taves. You know, now they got Bedard there. And, in Chicago, you look at Connor McDavid, the Blues could use one. So to answer your question in terms of do the Blues have one, um, I know you're talking about the younger guys, and I'm going to focus on them, but I think Robert Thomas right now is ascending to that guy. Mm-hmm. But after him, in terms of the prospects, um, you know, I, I, I think you could look at a Snuggerud and a Dvorsky as the possibilities. It's not to say that if we had the scouting gurus on right now, they would project them to be the faces of the NHL or, you know, one of the top six or seven faces in the NHL in five years. But I think they have the ability to be those players uh, in the Blues organization. And by the way, we brought up the Ryan Whitney uh, rumor the other day that he had about Brady Kachuk and Steve Steos, the president of hockey operations for the Ottawa Senators, summarily shot that down in a blink. He said, we are not trading Brady Kachuk. He's part of our future here. So uh, my, my one day dream died quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard, you, I heard your monster deal. I think that would have taken me like uh, a week to try to write that story with all the parts that you had in there in terms of 
what the Blues are sending to Ottawa. And, hey, guys, listen, the timing of that thing. So we threw out a link for uh, Blues fans to send in their, their uh, fantasy trade proposals, and, you know, we'd evaluate them and put a who says no on, on the end of it. So we sent that out right when uh, the hubbub hit the, uh, the Internet that Kachuk could be available. And then uh, all of a sudden, Stales comes out and says, no way how. So uh, what do we do with all these proposals that I have? <laughs> you can put mine up there. <laughs> Mine's there. All right, all right. Yep, we'll, it's a, uh, we'll it's a monster it deal too, and the, you have to give a little bit if you're going to get somebody to take the uh, the salary of sod off your hands. You have to give a little bit more sugar. But it was, and I was getting chickren back too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I heard that one. So if I go look at it today, because I'm going to, uh, are you subscriber Randy K? Period. You betcha. Okay, I'll find it. Okay, good. Hey, Jr. What are the pros and the cons if you brought up Jimmy Snuggerud uh, after the Frozen Four? Well, I, I think uh, we have to look at the calendar. They've got two games left, uh, Minnesota, I think, uh, this week. Then they, it's going to be a break until they play the regionals in late March. Um, and then you got the Frozen Four if they qualify. The, the hockey writer who I respect the most, uh, Brad Elliott Schlossman, uh, he said that uh, you know they're not a given to make the Frozen Four. But if they do, then you're starting to get into early April, and the Blues just have a few games left after that. So pros and cons, if you get, could get them into two or three games, see what he looks like and get him excited about coming back and, and being a pro next year, you know, that'd be something, but it would burn the first year of that three year entry level deal. So if we're just talking two or three games, you know, as much as the blues want to get him in the fold, I don't know that they'd burn that one year. All right. Uh, JR, one more thing, and this is controversy. So when the blues had Sidney Crosby stolen from them before <laughs> the 2005 NHL entry draft, because they didn't have a season in 04, 05. So they basically, it was a draw, right? They, they basically did a random draw for every team in the league for the Sidney Crosby sweepstakes. Yet, and this is where the controversy comes in, with the 24th pick, the Blues took an 18-year-old out of War Road High School in Minnesota named T.J. Oshie. Would you have rather had Crosby or Oshie? <laughs> Listen, I'm the biggest T.J. Oshie fan. I still uh, keep in touch with him, but I think you have to go with number 87 on that one. And, and yeah, that was a weighted draw. It, you know, it depended on where you finished the three previous years, and they gave you you know, so much odds based on, on those three previous years. And, you know, that year, I remember there were some Blues fans. Maybe this is our year. Maybe this is our break. We can get Sidney Crosby. And, yeah, when that pick came up in, what was it, 24, the mid-20s, uh, it's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. You can't even get in the top ten with these conditions on this draft. So, right. But Oshie became a, a good player for the Blues, but certainly not uh, number 87. You, you had an interesting comment about uh, percentages of Cairo being dealt. Uh, did you take a lot of, not heat, but, I mean, did you get a lot of response from that? And what was the percentage that you think now? Yeah, not heat. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll stick by it. Like the question from Tim uh, on the balloon party was, what, what's the percentage you think that uh, Cairo could be traded uh, by the time that his no-trade clause kicks in at 27 and you know i'll be quick with this you know people who don't understand when they sign the contract they can't have that no trade clause kick in until they turn you know 27 or have seven years in the league so it doesn't kick in until next season so with the way things are going with with uh, jordan Cairo and the way i know that doug armstrong thinks in terms of addressing situations that perhaps need to be addressed i think there's a 50 percent chance that he could be moved before that no trade clause kicks in in 25. But the, the one big picture comment that I made too, Dan, was that you know whether that trade clause kicks in in 25 and he's still here, you know I, I just don't know that we see a Jordan Kyrie future uh, where he's here in three or four years with the St. Louis Blues. Great stuff, Jr. As always, thank you very much. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. 
See you guys. See you later. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we need a fighter for the fight. Just text in 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. That is the Air Comfort Service text line. And put your name and the word fight on the text, and maybe you'll fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. For the fight in the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Opening drive. Brooke here along with Dan, Randy, and Rocchio. And it is now time for the fight. And our fighter today is Brad. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Brooke. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. We're excited to have you in the fight today. Is your first time fighting, Randy? I uh, One other. I beat him once and got beat on the second day really bad. Ooh. All yeah, right. Happens. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens today for you. Let's go with question one. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Question number one, Brad. There have been 13 100-plus assist seasons with Gretzky tallying 11 of those seasons. Who is the only other forward to tally over the century mark? Is it Adam Oates, Doug Gilmore, or Mario Lemieux? I know Oates had one year. Um, I'm going to go with Lemieux. Final answer, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Number two, who led the National League in all of Major League Baseball in home runs in 2023 with 54? Was it Kyle Schwarber, Pete Alonzo, or Matt Olson? Matt, Matt Olson. That's quick. All right. Question three. Babe Ruth won seven World Series in his career. How many of those were with the Boston Red Sox? Is it one, three, or five? One. And question four, which big four-league team is the last to win four straight championships? Would it be the Yankees, the Islanders, or the Canadians? The Canadians. All right, you waste no time, Brad. You are... (laughs) Straight to business. Not thinking about it, maybe. If it pops in your head, just say it. That's right. There you go. Trust your instincts. Trust your instincts. Here comes Randy. Oh, here we go. As we make a, uh, we're on radio, so I'm going to describe it. He just threw away his <laughs> water bottle. Now he's put down his phone. Now he slowly gets into his chair that sinks ever so slightly. Now puts on the headset and says, good morning to Brad. Brad, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good morning, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. Dan, was he moving left to right or right to left on your radio dial? Uh, On the radio dial because it's a tough question because I'm facing you and then I had to face him, so that would have been left to right. (laughs) So good. Just saying, Randy. Uh Uh-huh. Dan, I think that, I wish you could narrate my life. No, you don't want that. It'd be pretty boring, but yeah. <laughs> All right, you ready for question number one, Randy? Ready. There have been 13 100 plus assist seasons with Gretzky tallying 11 of those seasons. Who is the only other forward to tally over the century mark? I'm going to go Mario Lemieux. Is that your final answer, yes, Randy? Yes, it is. Okay, question two. Who led the National League in all of Major League Baseball in home runs in 2023 with 54? 54 home runs last year. 54. I don't think that Pete Alonzo got there. Um, who would it have been? Uh, 20, this was last season. We Let's see. Um, Cards, Dodger, Giants. Um, 
Hmm. Acuna didn't get to 54, I don't think. Uh, oh, uh, Matt Olson. Matt Olson of the Braves. Final answer? Go with that, yeah. Question three, please. Babe Ruth won seven World Series in his career. How many of those were with the Boston Red Sox? Boston Red Sox. Sox. Uh, so I'm going to say that he was there for the 1918 World Series. Uh, and uh, let's see. I'm going to... I'm just going to randomly go... Well, let's see. Yankees. I'll go with that one. I'll go with 1918. And question four. Which big four league team is the last to win four straight championships? Last big four. Well, you had... The four major professional sports. uh, The Islanders uh, did it back in 1980, 81, 82, 83. Hasn't happened in the NFL. Hasn't happened in MLB since then. And I can't imagine. Let's see. We didn't. The Oilers won four out of five. Uh, and we haven't, I don't believe, had that since in hockey. So baseball, basketball, hockey, NASCAR. Oh, they're not big four. Oh, okay. So football, baseball, hockey, basketball. I'm going to go with the Islanders, Dan. Okay. 1980, with uh, when Ken Morrow arrived after the miracle on ice. 81, 82, 83. Billy Smith between the pipes. Denny Potvin was fantastic. Mike Bossy. Mike Bossy was scoring goals right and left. I'm going to go with that Islanders squad. Matthew, do what you do. Well, I have a winner to give out today, and the question is, does Randy Carricker roll on with another victory? taking him above the 85% mark, or does Brad get a win today against Randy Carricker for the second time in his storied career? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by CarShield. Plans to fit any budget. Visit carshield.com today. Just oh, win, I'm baby. so sorry, Brad. Randy Carricker just edged you out with the last question. He beat you three to two today. All right, that's great. Thanks, guys. No problem, Thanks, Brad. Brad. Thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show. Let's go through the questions and answers. Thirteen hundred plus assist seasons. Gretzky tallies eleven of them. Bobby Orr has twelve, and Mario Lemieux makes it thirteen. Who led the NL in all of MLB in home runs in twenty twenty three with fifty four? It was in fact Matt Olson, the NL having three of all three of the top uh, Major League Baseball home run hitters in that order: Olson, Schwarber, and then Alonzo. Babe Ruth won seven World Series in his career, but he tallied three of them wow. with the Boston Red Sox: sixteen, eight, uh, sixteen, eight, uh, seventeen, and then nineteen. Uh, I, I believe for the Red Sox years there, so three of his seven coming with the Red Sox. That's why it was a curse after he left, because oh. well, you're winning with him, and then you trade him away, mm-hmm. and he starts uh, winning other ones with your with your big rival. And then which Big Four team is the last to win four straight championships? They did it back to back, the Canadians and the Islanders, but the Islanders, the more recent of the two of those four years, and so the Islanders, the correct answer. They are three two win for Randy Carricker today in the fight against Brad. And I just got to know, were people freaking out in the in the early '80s that two teams had won eight straight championships? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty wild because you had the Canadians, right? And the, yeah, and Canadians the won yeah. four straight, and then yeah. right on the back of that, yeah. the Islanders tacked on four. The Oilers then win four of the five. The one they didn't win, the Canadians. Yeah. Like, people had to be freaking. Like, at that point, they were just dominating the entire league, those three teams. Was that Jacques Demers that won that and split it up against the uh, no, Oilers? That was 83. It was. I think Scotty was still there. Um, no, maybe he was gone by then. 
Uh, oh, with the in, Oilers? Uh, the the one in between with Montreal, between... Uh, Bob Johnson? Okay. He with, won a bunch with, with the uh, Pittsburgh uh, Penguins, though. I don't think he won with Montreal. And Patrick Waugh, 86, was his first year. Yeah. With the uh, Canadians, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was Jacques Demers, but you're right, Randy. Demers it might be won, uh, in 83. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm looking 93. at the wrong uh, thing there. Jean Perron Jean was, Perron, the, was the head okay. coach of the Montreal Canadiens. My bad. Bob Johnson was the head coach of the Flames who they beat. Gotcha. All right. So there you have the fight here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got a spring training report. And if you are a nutty neuter of Nude Nation, get excited. Oh, ho, ho. you hear that, Dan? I uh, I did. I'm assuming we're talking about Lars Newpar. Oh, we are. Okay. We are. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to fly down to Florida for a spring training report on 101 ESPN. Presented by ENP Granite, Brooke, Jamie, Curbs, and Bernie Federko's choice for countertops and cabinets. People around baseball love the ability of Lars Nootbaar, the Cardinal outfielder, who hasn't been able to take off yet in large part because he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. But as we traverse this spring, it's really interesting. And by the way, Nootbaar was probably held back a little bit last year in terms of being a Cardinal by being in the World Baseball Classic and winning that championship with Japan. But he worked with Mark McGuire during the offseason. He, McGuire, and... uh, Nolan Arenado are our buddies. They hit together during the offseason. And Nolan Arenado believes that Lars Newtbar can be an all-star this season. And if he becomes an all-star, man, the nutty neuters of Newt Nation are just going to go bananas. Bananas. They will go absolutely nutty, if you will. Oh, yeah. Randy, mm-hmm. Dan, would you like to join the nutty neuters of Newt Nation? No, I don't. Well, either way, we are going to make you an honorary member. I'm Congratulations, good. Dan. Yeah. No. Congratulations. Um, Great I'm good. <laughs> Congratulations. Okay, I'll I'll take off the fandom hat just for a little bit here. I honestly do think that this will be another big year for Lars Newtbar. One, because of the role that's already been pretty much solidified for him going into the season. You had a lot more competition of outfielders going into last season, and we kind of saw what happened there. But now you have these defined roles going into this year that Lars Newtbar and the others are aware of. And he has been an above-average hitter over the last two years, and he can play a good outfield. I think that it's very reasonable to expect maybe 20-plus home runs for him, which he's been at that 14 mark the past two years. I think he's got to stay healthy, like Randy said. He only played in 108 games um, last year, but he crushes right-handed pitching. So right-handed pitching, hit 271, 381 on-base percentage, 454 slug. That's 30% above the league average against mm-hmm. right-handed pitching, and nearly 70% of the guys that throw in the league are right-handed. So he plays a very important role for the Cardinals in their lineup this season. He, in working with Mark McGuire, talked about being grounded. And, and Mark, Mac has always said that uh, when we talk to him about hitting, and he, he's very simple but very logical about hitting. He said, the, the ground is your friend. And in a story that John Denton wrote at MLB.com, he talked about how he had these grounded shoes, some shoes that uh, help you feel grounded. And he said when he came in, he changed because he didn't mark, want Mark McGuire to think he was crazy. And then McGuire talked about the grounded shoes and how the ground is your friend. And, and Newt Bar bought in. And 
I'm with you guys. It, his, Can I interrupt for yeah. a second? What do you mean grounded shoes? The, the, oh, the, the, I guess they're heavier, and so your your and feet. I mean, it's an honest question. Yeah, yeah. You you it, it prevents you from from having happy feet. One thing if oh, you okay. if you watch McGuire highlights, he had the, the short stride right, and then he just let it rip. And watch a guy like Arenado. I think that's one of the things Nolan was working on yeah. because his feet are so active. And McGuire says you want to keep your feet on the ground. That's where you generate power is through your legs and and through the ground. So. Well, that's something that Newbar is working on. His on-base has improved every year that he's played. Now, last year, his slug took a dip, and I think the injuries probably played a role in that. But if he buys in, and damn, we watched this when McGuire was the Cardinal hitting coach. If he buys in, he's a guy that I think could hit 20 home runs and, and 30 doubles. He could be a 50 extra base hit guy. Yeah, slugging percentage, as you mentioned, went down. But I, I just think... Bottom line is, he's got to stay on the field. He's going to get every chance to play in left mm-hmm. field. He's going to play every day. He's going to play against left-handed pitching, more than likely. But, man, you got to stay on the field. That That is the number one thing. And if he does that, and let's say he plays in 145, 150 games, there's no reason to think that he won't put up really good numbers. He'll become a superstar. Do you think it's out of the question for what Nolan said, that he could potentially be an all-star? Of course, the health matters in that aspect. But do you think that, say, that it's a fully healthy season for Lars Newtbar, he can reach that potential? Stays on the field. Yeah, I see no reason why he couldn't be. Uh, w- when you look around baseball, obviously you've got a, a lot of, especially when you have Atlanta and, and Philly, you've got a lot of really good players that are going to be vying for that spot. But... He's playing for a team with a national profile. I don't know about getting voted in this year, but he could absolutely be an all-star. And I believe they're going to have an expanded all-star roster again this year. I just want to see him be able to answer the bell every single day. And if he does that because there's 70% right-handers in the game that are on the mound, and he really is good against right-handed pitching, then there's no reason to think he won't put up some numbers this year. He's got to stay on the field. Yeah, I like really to what you were talking about, Randy, the story with McGuire, because that's what it feels like he needs, right, is he just needs to generate a little bit more power, but I really think that he has a good eye, and he's not chasing pitches out of the zone, and he will be able to probably maintain that. That's something that I think is really good about him. In 2022 and 2023, he ranked among the top 5% of hitters in Major League Baseball in walk rate, mm-hmm. so he has a great eye for things. I think that he could take that next step if, of course, we have to say that about so many of the guys, mm-hmm. though, but it's staying healthy is fa- a very very big part of this. And the Cardinals need to stick with him, too, because they've had opportunities to move him to go get a starting pitcher, and they liked him so much that they wanted to keep him around. And I I hope that if he struggles that they don't get frustrated and say, okay, well, we're going to give whether Edmund gets healthy. We, we want to have uh, Carlson given an opportunity, or we want to give Burleson more of an opportunity. Let Lars Newtbar work through the difficult times. If you think he's going to be that good, let him work through the adversity. And like you said, Dan, plan on him playing 130, 140 games and dealing with that and getting better because of it. He's not a free agent until 2028. So this is going to be every opportunity for him to play, to show what he can do. And he's a good defensive player. He's got a very good arm. I think you just leave him alone. Let him Mm -hmm. go through the struggles, like you said, Randy. And there's going to be some just for every player that plays over the long haul of the season. But as long as he stays out there, stays healthy, he's going to put up some numbers. Wouldn't it be nice just to see not so much turnover that we've seen in recent years with the outfielders? Think about it. Think about what the opening day outfield looked like last year and then the year before and how it just completely changes so much throughout the season. But Mm -hmm. then every single season that you go into, it would be nice just to see 
maybe a year or two, a season or two, what is reasonable to ask anymore of having the same outfield group every single season? I would like to see it two years in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't happened. It's kind of no. like the shortstop turnover that they've yeah. had at that position. And with the fact that Tommy Edmond signed a two-year extension, Newbar not a free agent till 28, Walker, it's going to be a long time before he hits free agency. There's no reason to think that these guys aren't the cornerstones of of this outfield situation. Carlson coming off the bench and Victor Scott not that far away. So mm-hmm. they've, they've got some options here coming up. There is your Redbird report here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. Tough night for the Blues. Tough night for Mizzou. Tough night for Sloop. But Illinois won. Yay. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hey, on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Time for the Rush Hour Reset. The Blues with a solid effort last night against the Edmonton Oilers. They were up 2-0. The game was tied 2-2 going into overtime. And then Connor McDavid scoring late in the OT period in 3-on-3. And the Blues fall by a score of 3-2. But come up with that all-important point, and they move up one point in the wildcard standings in the National Hockey League. Uh, the Blues got goals from Robert Thomas. That was a, a really nice tally for them. Mm-hmm. And then Bucci with the seventh and seven games. Seventh and seventh games. Did his stock rise, in your opinion? But you believe that they're going to stay pat, that they won't move on from Bucinavich. I don't think they will. And I, I think the price will just be enormous. And if somebody is willing to pay the price, then obviously you move on from him. But he's a pretty good player to have for next year. And if you get rid of... A really good player, good to great in the right circumstances, in Pavel Buchnevich, who replaces him next year? That would be my question. We we talk about moving him for assets, but then who is the guy that scores 60 points and puts the puck in the net 25 times for you next year? Of course, it's hard to replace, but I just keep thinking about Doug Armstrong when he said not too long ago that he could see Robert Thomas and Jimmy Snuggaroo together on a mm-hmm. line. Now, that's a lot of pressure to put on Jimmy yeah. Snugrude, but at the same time, I think that he's very talented. I personally, I'm a big fan of Buchnevich. I don't want to see the Blues move on from him, but are you at a point where you think that this team has enough in the tank, left in the tank, to be able to make a good enough playoff push? Or is it just getting into the playoffs well, is enough? I think you have to think about next year, too. Mm-hmm. That's and, how I was going. Yeah. How, how If you don't have Buchnevich for 24-25, then who fills that role? And does that give you a better chance to make the playoffs? Does the number one... 100% where you're going here, Randy. Yeah, I'm not to interrupt, but I'm with you. I mean, if you traded Bucinavich, what do you have coming back? It could get uglier next year. I mean, that top line is really the only scoring that you see on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. And when they take a night off, or if you see that they're not playing well, then you get a 6-1 loss at Detroit. Yeah. You do. You know, it, it, it's great to have a bunch of number ones, but we've we, we can mention a lot of number ones that the Blues have Ooh. had that haven't worked out. Absolutely, hundred percent, and that's where I, I I've thought about this a lot. Like, it's okay. I I could understand if you want to trade Buchnevich, and if you get a couple of number ones, you know, Doug's kind of a river riverboat gambler. Then maybe you do that. But um, if you don't have the number ones coming back, I don't think you can deal them. And, you know, as, as uh, JR said, too, and you see it in all sports, a lot of times you work up a trade to the trade deadline, it doesn't work out, and you just recommit in the summer yep. if that's what you want to do. 
because yeah. teams will go after him too with one year left on his deal. I agree. And I think that was that game last night was an example of when that top line is just humming together, you see them with an effort like that. I thought it was a great effort by the team overall. Of course, you don't like the end result of it. But you were still able to get a point, and Connor McDavid's just Connor McDavid. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty you good. knew it was going to happen there at the end. Yeah. But Everybody still. that watches knows that that was predictable, that that was going to happen, right? Yes. Oh, for sure. Open ice like that. Let mm-hmm. him let him go around everybody, which he does, and then just float one against uh, Bennington. Yeah, it was coming. Yep. He knew it was going to happen. Over at Chaffetz Arena last night, Richmond over slew eighty to sixty four. Billikens were actually up late in the first half. And uh, within five at halftime, but Richmond just pulled away, and Billikens just couldn't stop him. Billikens' defense is kind of weird for a Travis Ford team, but, man, the defense is just deficient this year. Florida over Mizzou, 83-74. Mizzou making it a one-point game with 9.36 to play. They were down 55-54, but then Florida pulled away. And Illinois outscores Minnesota, the 13th-ranked Illini, with a 105-97 win. Every Golden Gopher starter scored double figures. They scored 94 of Minnesota's 97 points. But Illinois had three guys with 20 or more as they get ready for the NCAA tournament. So that was some really good defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Relatively speaking. Gem on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Can we go back to the Mizzou segment Uh or issue here just really quick because with Mizzou as we know we've talked about going winless in the SEC Dennis Gates just his second year so you can give him a mulligan on that but do things change a little bit when you have a new athletic director coming in to the program because as we know Desiree Reed Francois was the one that hired Dennis Gates yes I I would think so now I would think because of the contract remember he got an extension during his yes. first year last year and the buyout would be pretty substantial if they would want to let him go i would think that a new athletic director would do well to have dennis gates here you don't want to have dennis gates go somewhere else and turn into a superstar coach because when mizzou got dennis gates georgia and lsu wanted him he's a good coach this is a bad year but he's a good coach and if you're Mizzou I don't think you want to let him get away here's my thing with the AD I just want somebody that can raise some money mm-hmm. get me get me yeah. my money get me my NIL I give him a mulligan like you said it's a bad mulligan where you go winless in the SEC and they're going to go winless I think mm-hmm. But he's got a good, if not great, recruiting class coming in. And one of the first things I would say on both sides, where are we at NIL? And number two, how are you going to be able to keep these kids with the transfer portal? Tell me what your plan is. And if your plan is something that we're on the same page with, then he stays and and he's going to stay next year. But then we develop a long-term plan as a team going forward. Yeah. By the way, one other note about Desiree Reed Francois, and that's another, by the way, I would love to get the story behind that. We're going to talk at 930 about uh, knowing the inside story of a, a sports scandal or a story. One thing I heard, though, is that Desiree Reed Francois, who brought a lot of people in that athletic department, didn't tell anybody. Everybody in the athletic department was stunned when they got word, just like we did, that she was leaving. And the other interesting part is that while there were certainly issues with the board of curators putting together that group to oversee her and there are being rumors that she didn't get along with Eli, but she legitimately does love to go in and fix situations. And the, the she's got quite a situation she's got to fix. $177 million. But what I heard was that she was pretty happy with the way she had turned the Mizzou Athletic Department around and was ready legitimately for the next challenge. And wow. legitimately probably ready to go home. You know, yeah. that's, that's something that she's got familiarity with. 
I do find it interesting, though, when you help build up the football program, which drives the bus. And by all accounts, Mizzou's going to be top 10 going into next season, have a chance to make the college football playoff. That, to me, would be enticing to stay in itself, Mm -hmm. saying, I helped get this to where this program is at. And, man, you talk about a feather in the cap of an AD. That's that's a big deal. The $62 million coming into the program, yeah. what you would be able to do with that. And it was very generous. I know it was anonymous, but very generous, Dan and Randy, of you guys to do that. I just want to oh, put that thanks. out there for the $62 million. So that. it will be really interesting to see what that next athletic director is going to do with that money coming in. But that's what makes it a little bit stranger because why would she want to leave that all behind, especially in that manner where you're saying she didn't even give any indication that this was coming. Some people just have that personality. Bill Parcells was that way. Remember Bill Parcells? He he goes to the Patriots, gets them to a Super Bowl, says, I I want to be able to buy the groceries. He goes and rebuilds the Jets, gets them to an AFC championship game and quits. Then he goes to the Cowboys and gets them to a level, not over the top, but some people just want to go and rebuild. I I think, I don't know if she's this personality, but there are some people who just like to build things. It's not all about getting over the top. It's about building things. Can I give a shout out as we head to a break? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our buddy Brad Thompson Mm -hmm. is down in Florida and Chris Conroy, also part of the medical team of the Cardinals, This show is being heard all over the place, and they're listening down in Florida. So they're listening on the app. And, guys, we can't thank you enough for listening and helping the listenership of The Morning Drive. It means a lot to all of us. Yeah, and BT will be tuned in today. Game on Bally Sports today. we got a Thursday, but I think BT is uh, ready to rock and roll today. And, uh, Chris, keep up the great work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Two of my favorite people in the world. They're They're the best. Fantastic. Thanks for listening, folks. It is 9.15. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up, ESPN's Greg Wyshynski has his top 50 trade targets as we head to the deadline. There's a couple, well, three blues on it. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Yeah, everybody's got their rankings right now, and I get it. You know, you got to put the guys whose names are in the headlines and also, uh, you know, a lot of UFAs, and then you have guys like Buchnevich who their name gets some traction too. You know, to me, if, if you're looking at uh, the Blues' assets in terms of what could bring something back, and now keep in mind, when I say this, people say, well, you forgot about Robert Thomas. Look, they're not trading Robert Thomas. We're talking about guys like Buchnevich who've got a year left, and there's a question, would you bring him back eight years times whatever, $8 million per year? So, you know, I think you look at these rankings and Buchnevich's name is going to stay on there until the deadline passes. After that, besides the UFAs, Dan, like the like the Kapanins, the, uh, the, the Scandellas, the Sunquist, like I don't know what else the Blues have that people would want. So you, you mentioned these names like a, a Kevin Hayes. You know, he's going through a tough time. Like I, I think if I'm a Blues fan, I'm wondering, you know, how do you move him? Is that possible? Cap- That's our buddy Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic here on 101 ESPN earlier today. And as the trade deadline approaches, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN.com has his top 50 list of available, quote unquote, available players. And he has Jake Gensel of the Penguins as number one. Now, there is questions as to whether or not Kyle Dubas, the Penguins GM, wants to trade Gensel, who's been the best line mate that Sidney Crosby has ever had and has also been a, a playoff stalwart for the Penguins over the years. And apparently, according to Emily Kaplan of ESPN, the asking price for Jake Gensel is two first-rounders. Noah Hannafin, the defenseman from the Flames, is listed by 
uh, Greg Wyshynski is his number two target. Number three, Flames goalie Jacob Markstrom. And number four, Pavel Buchnevich of the Blues. He's listed as the number four trade target by ESPN.com. What do you think? Number four for Buchnevich. I'm with you guys. I think that they might stand pat here. But if somebody's willing to match Doug Armstrong's, I assume, just based off the reports that we've seen, high asking price, then maybe he's on the move. But it might just be better to keep him because right now the Blues really don't have that many options, I feel like, to move where you could get something else back. I don't know if you would want to part with Buchnevich and what he's been able to do and add to this team. I don't know what you guys think of this, but it's JR kind of alluded to it would be eight years, eight AAV. Do you want three guys that are locked in on that? Do you want to be locked to Cairo and to Thomas? Thomas, I'm fine with, not so much with Cairo, and then Buchnevich for that type of money. I don't think so. And especially because when you sign him, he'll be 30. So do you want yes. that? That would be so counter to what Doug Armstrong has done in the past in signing a player into his age 38 season. Heck, he, he wouldn't do Bacchus into his age 36 season, exactly. right? That was my point. Yeah, and there, there, there was a little bit of that with Alex Petrangelo, too, but especially with forwards. And uh, the forwards that are coming, too. Right, yeah. Do, do you really want, A, a 38-year-old forward making $8 million, and B, that guy blocking young players that you have on the horizon? No. You get locked in on deals like that. Yeah. yeah, you really do. I can't see him doing that because Doug has been very clear with he likes that kind of sweet spot of age of players that he's looking to keep around, right? Remember he said that, that that 26 age range, a little bit younger than that. He has mentioned that before of that's what he's looking for in terms of guys that he's keeping around and signing to some of those bigger deals. Here's a reality, too. Who would want Kevin Hayes? Who wants Kasperi mm-hmm. Kapanen? Scandella yeah. would make some sense to me. There's a couple others that would make some sense to me, but the number one target for them is Buchnevich, and I'm not sure that uh, anybody else would want some of the other players that are listed on this list from the Blues' perspective. On Wyshynski's list, with Chris Tanev being traded by the Flames to the Stars last night, Hayes moves up from number 22 to 21. Here's what Greg Wyshynski writes. The Flyers retained 50% of Hayes' salary to ship him out of Philly to St. Louis last offseason. The Blues liked him as a veteran in the middle who could keep them competitive, stabilizing the position a bit. He has 22 points in 57 games, but he hasn't had the strongest defensive season analytically. It's a trend that's gone on for the past handful of seasons. At his age and with his contract, it's hard to imagine him as part of their plans going forward. If the Blues were willing to retain another chunk of his contract in dealing him, they might earn a nice package back from a contender that needs a number two or three center and believes Hayes can fit the suit. I would think that you're looking probably at a at a fourth round pick for Exactly. It's a lower mid-round if not lower pick than that. Yeah. I didn't have high expectations for Kevin Hayes coming in. I kind of felt like he would be more of a Craig Berube style player. It seems like he likes guys like that and now you don't have Craig Berube here anymore, but with that contract too, even at the discount it's still what 3.6 million for Kevin Hayes mm-hmm. for the next 2 years. He's 31 years old who will be a taker for him. If it didn't work out in Philly and it's not necessarily working out with the Blues, who's going to be the next team that will pick that up? I'm not sure it matters if the Blues win the next four or lose the next four of what they do. I think they may just keep Stan Pat with Buchnevich and roll with what they got. They've got four games before the deadline. they got the Wild, the Flyers, Islanders, Devils before the deadline. The only home game is this Saturday against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And if you let's say you win three out of the four and it puts you in the playoff position, does it benefit you trading Pavel Buchnevich? No. If you trade him, it's over. 
Right. It's over in the locker room. It's over on the ice. But if you keep them, you you know, maybe you got a chance. The one move that I could see them making, and by the way, Wyshynski writes this about Kasperi Kapanen in his number 45. He said, ideally, the Blues would have loved to turn a waiver claim like Kapanen into something palpable at the deadline. But given his AAV and the lack of production since coming to the Blues, 12 goals in 73 games, including four in 50 games this season, they'd be hard-pressed to get much for him. I think we can all agree that the Blues will be hard-pressed to get anything for him. Now, to go back to what the Blues could do, I do believe that with the Blues' depth, they sat Perunovic last night, they've got Kessel sitting in the minors. I I am of the belief that a guy like Scandelic would be attractive to a playoff team. I Give him depth. Yeah, yeah, depth. I think that he would be very attractive for other teams. Now, what about Perunovic? I know that we haven't brought his name up. Is that a player that you could see eventually here being dealt? Maybe not at the deadline, but anything like that? I could, yeah, especially because it doesn't appear as if Tory Krug doesn't want to go anywhere, and they really are similar players. But you do want to have that guy that is beneficial on the power play, which Perunovic, when he's at his best, is. They need to get him to shoot the puck. They need him to be better than he's been. But if you coach a guy like Perunovic up, we've all seen the talent. He, he can play. He's another guy where you would hate to send him somewhere. He's finally healthy, and somebody tweaks him, and he turns into a solid top four guy. You know, the guy I want to see more of is, and I'm disappointed he was sent down, and maybe we'll see him for more of the stretch run is Matthew Kessel. Agreed. Yes. I, I loved what I saw from him, especially initially, and then they started adding minutes to him and what he was doing, and he was productive. There was positives with him, and I would hope that this is short term. Mm-hmm. But bring him back up and see what he can do. One other note, by the way, about Perunovic: you're the Blues. And you got Vince Dunn taken in the expansion draft. And and I had no problem. That would be twenty twenty hindsight to say that they should have protected him. They they, they protected the right people at that time. But Dunn is a top pairing guy now. And then you trade Jake Wallman in the trade for Letty, and Wallman's a better player than Letty right now. And that's a guy that you had hopes for who never developed under you. At some point, the Blues are going to have to start getting the most out of their own guys rather than trading young guys for veterans that wind up being not as good. Doesn't that make the Jordan Cairo conversation of him possibly being traded before that no trade clause kicks in? Doesn't that make that a little bit harder? It does. We tend to forget he had 37 goals and 73 points last year. He's nearly a point a game guy. He's a talented player. Now, do we like his effort on a consistent basis? No. But do we like the 37 goals? Yes. yes. Who's going to score 37 for the Blues? That's that's the good question. He's, it's Jordan Kyrou. Yeah, the, that's <laughs> the one guy we know that's capable of it. I would be really worried about it. I, again, I would have to get something really substantial back in return. I'm not just going to give Jordan Kyrou away. And I know the contract is prohibitive. But I would want to get something back in return. And if you're another team in the league, by the way, I know that the contract is there, but you have to be a little bit seduced by those 37 goals, 73 last year, and 27, 75 the year before. And a change of scenery. Yep. You know, I'm I'm sure some people look at, from the outside, looking in with St. Louis and saying, well, it sounds like he's the guy that got Baruby fired. There was a a time in which he was getting booed after that happened. Maybe it's a change of scenery and we can untap that great Mm. potential that he has. And he's got great potential. There's no, I don't think anybody questions that. Mm -mm. Right. The one thing, though, if you look at this year in another general manager, and I've said this before, it takes a lot of guts to go to your owner and say, yeah, I want to give this guy $8 million a year for the next seven years because of this year. But what you have to do is sell him on the last two and sell him on the physical skill set that is there and say, our coach can get the most out of him.
And it's a one-off. That's the other yep. thing. If you're Doug Armstrong, you're yep. saying this is kind of a one-off. And his numbers are okay this year. They're not what you expected. I still go back, though. He was overshadowed by bigger names the last couple of years. And now that he is starting the contract, and money changes everything mm-hmm. in how you view a player. So let's just say he was making $2 million this year, which he's, he's not. $2 million this year. So if he's making $2 million this year, would you be saying, well, this player – He's he's this is this is terrible. This is not what we need. Now you'd still question sometimes playing a two hundred foot game, but you live with it a little bit more. The money changes everything in how you perceive a player. Well, and also the top line pressure, money wise too. That's a big mm-hmm. factor. But whoever's up there at the top, that's what everybody's looking at. If you're not performing and giving a hundred percent effort, well, maybe not a hundred percent effort, eighty five, eighty five percent effort every single night, consistent effort. How about that? Then people will still talk about you no matter what. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we want to hear from you. You can pick up your phone and use the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app, or you can send us a text, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. We want to hear from you what you want to know the inside story of in a sports scandal. We already talked a little bit about uh, some of the things that we like, the shoeless Joe Jackson situation, O.J. Simpson. Mm. Yeah, how, mm. how did the Bills wind up getting him out of USC? Uh, things like that. <laughs> yes, we we want to hear your mic drops. We want to hear your texts. What do you want to know the truth about next on 101 ESPN? You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. What scandal would you like to know the truth about? You were given the opportunity to learn about one scandal, but you get to know the complete unadulterated truth about a scandal. Which one are you choosing? There's so many good ones out there. Mine was Michael Jordan and his retirement, retirement in air quotes, and he did retire, but maybe the full story behind it, because there's just so many conspiracy theories that have something to do with a gambling debt. Was he really just done and wanted to play baseball? Question mark. But I feel like I would love to know the full story behind that. 1919 Black Sox for me. So throw in the World Series. Uh, I'd want to know more about that. And in particular, a deep dive into Shoeless Joe Jackson, who had 12 Mm -hmm. hits in the series, which was a record until 1964. But nine triples hit by Cincinnati in that series. Nine. And there was a lot of talk of misplays, not necessarily errors, but where they were aligned in the outfield. And three of the nine went to him in left field. So there was a lot of talk that maybe he was letting the ball go or dropping in front of him, got away from him, that kind of stuff. And what was on those Spygate tapes in Foxborough that Roger Goodell had destroyed before he had even seen them? What was on those tapes and what sort of information was available to Tom Brady and to the Patriots as they won championships until 2007? I would love, this is not a scandal, I would love to go into both sides of various trades that took place. Why you made a trade, why you didn't make a trade, or why you made a signing, why you didn't make a signing. And the one that I'd love to know more about is Albert Pujols when he left St. Louis. I I would love to be a fly on the wall and just on both ends. Artie Moreno, what he's thinking with the Angels, how far will they go? And then from the Cardinals' perspective, trying to arrange a contract that made sense for them and just how far they would go too. Text from the 314, I would want all the details about Tommy Pham's fantasy football league. (laughs) (laughs) You know, here's the thing is that, as you guys know, uh, Tommy Pham is a very open and honest guy. I think he would give you the full story if you wanted to know. He probably would. He probably would. He'd he'd tell you what's up. Let's hear from Scott, who's on the uh, 
what do you call it? The air service conference? Mic drop, mic mic drop feature. Yeah, yeah mic drop feature. Mic drop. What I want to know is with the Olympics and the World Cups, how some of these places got picked and the corruption scandals behind it, whether it be with Seth Blatter or with the uh, IOC, those stories are kind of fascinating because like, they've not only changed economies positively, they've also decimated some cities and countries. That's a good one. I like that idea. And the the work that they put these people through with the lack of wages or minimal wages that they would hand out for these these poor people to build their stadiums and the infrastructure around it, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Let's see. Refs throwing the Lakers Kings oh, conference finals. Oh, that was finals. wild. Yeah, two thousand two thousand one. Yeah, that was that was really bad and blatant. Have you guys seen the uh, the Netflix on? Um, uh, the uh, Donahue, the the Donahue, ref- Tim Donahue, Don- Tim Donahue, yeah, the referee with him. No, um, it's really interesting. He got caught, you know, doing that with betting on NBA games and various things as a referee, and eventually was caught and it came out. And it's a uh, it's a remarkable documentary. I think about that all the time too. Of another thing, of what if you could just have your family member? It's not your same last name. Couldn't those refs just get maybe their family member to bet on certain games that they're working on for them? It's like insider trading. Yeah. Um, The other thing would be if you're involved with a team and you know that a certain player is has the flu or mm-hmm. is dinged up a little bit. Yeah, that kind of stuff could get out. I doubt it does as much as maybe people with the, uh, you know, the the way that they look at it would say. Um, but I, I I would assume that some of that stuff happens. And Dan, you mentioned earlier. The steroid era, mm-hmm. I would like to know what Hall of Famers are yes. people that used performance enhancers. And it's unfortunate we there's stigma with certain guys, and you'd rather just celebrate what they did on the field. But there's always going to be that cloud of suspicion that's over certain players that have been yeah. voted in. Mm-hmm. A little asterisk there. I think that some more recent ones, we talked about this earlier, Michigan. I want to know... How much was truly going on there? Was it just Connor Stallions just being this wild madman acting on his own? Dan, you missed part of this because I was very obsessed with Connor Stallions and the whole situation going on there. The manifesto that he came up with. I mean, his vacuum cleaning business that he had where he refurbished vacuums. I don't think that he acted completely on his own, but maybe he did because he also sounds a tad bit crazy. So you want to know how far the tentacles go off of that. If it was just him involved. There's no way. Thank you. He's giving them information that a coaching staff could use. Why would he do that just to do it on his own? Yes. There's no, in my opinion, there's no way that he would do that. And here's the thing is that I don't doubt that Michigan was the only one doing it because that seems to be the other big story is that there's a lot of other colleges. And here's the thing is that, of course, you go and scout out other teams. It was just the level as to which that they were doing it. Uh, the 618 said, the fix was in from the very beginning when the NFL moved the Rams back to L.A., why St. Louis didn't demand another team expansion or moved here as part of the settlement? That's a, that's a good one, I, I would think. And we know the answer, obviously. Uh, you really don't want to start a multi-billion dollar deal as a result of a lie. And uh, the, the question that St. Louis asks themselves is, why would we want to go into business with somebody that we're suing because they lied to us? Do you know what's happened, either one of you guys, with the $700 million of the settlement? Still sitting there. They're still They're talking about using about $20 about million in the county on roads, I think. Yes. Uh, they're ha- having uh, meetings and bo- votes in the city about how to use their share of it. 
Yeah, so yeah, it, it's only been, Dan, three and a half years. Exactly. Honestly, though, I would rather them wait than make a really bad decision with that money. And the issue is, too, that you're separating it between three different entities, and it's getting all those three entities to agree on what they should do with mm-hmm. that money. But three and a half years? Yeah. How long is it? I mean, figure out some things to do with it, the interest on it, and start making it work for you. That was the whole point. Shouldn't be that hard. No. No, not at all. Hey, thanks for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, as we head down the stretch, we've got rock and roll. Stick around here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. is actually in the building this morning. It's our buddy John Eulett, who's essentially retired, but he's working at Casey this morning. And tonight over at the Sheldon Theater, U-Man is going to have his life story pretty much told. It's called Life, Death, and Other Scary Things, an evening with Casey 95s John Eulett. And there are still tickets available if you go to Casey95.com. Casey95.com. You can get tickets and you can hear some very compelling stories from the great John Hewlett. He's a great guy, and I'm sure that if you want to have a one-on-one conversation with you, man, tonight at the Sheldon Theater, you can. Again, life, death, and other scary things in the evening with KC95's John Hewlett. And you can get tickets now at KC95.com. Great to see you, man, in the hall this morning. Longtime PA voice of the Cardinals mm-hmm. down at Bush Stadium, too. I bet he'll get into that and the exciting moments that he's had a chance to witness and truly a class act here in St. Louis, no doubt. No doubt about it. All right, time for a little bit of rock and roll. Speaking of U-Man, you know, U-Man has spun the rock and roll for years. Oh, he sure has. Casey at Real Rock Radio. We've got Real Rock Radio, though, because we've got rock. <laughs> much like the U-Man, I'm going to pass it off to a much more talented female. Brooke Grimsley, take it away. No, you can go ahead and take it away. I just brought it to your attention. This is your segment. Go oh, ahead. okay. Well, if you guys don't know, uh, Miko Hardman's uh, getting, a, getting a little odd out there. And, in fact, some uh, there are some reports now coming out of uh, SNY in New York that he might have uh, he might have maybe betrayed the Jets before they ever cut him. Right now, the report coming out. I'm going to... The report coming out from Connor Hughes of SNY, and of course the wording here is very important. Yes, I'm told there was a validated belief from the Jets that wide receiver Mikael Hardman, frustrated by his lack of usage, leaked game plans up to the opposition, as implied by several players, including Sauce Gardner and Kenny Yaboa today. Not just the Eagles game, but also the Chiefs game. Ironically, the Eagles' victory was arguably the best of the season for the Jets, while Zach Wilson enjoyed the best game of his career against the Chiefs. The uh, Sauce Gardner tweet that Connor Hughes is referring to... Mm-hmm. Reads as we ain't going to talk about how our offensive game plan got leaked versus the Eagles, though, and that was Sauce Gardner uh, yesterday at 11:31 a.m. Eastern. <laughs> and so uh, Mike Florio covering this in Pro Football Talk does point out, of course, the validated the uh, validated report language in Connor Hughes' tweet. There's obviously going to be a lot more dove into this by official investigators from the NFL and other reporters around the NFL, and we'll see if anything comes of it. Mm. Wow. That is a pretty big deal, a pretty big issue. If you can prove it, I guess is the biggest thing. It's a huge accusation. It is. And <laughs> I, mean, I think it's really funny, too, because, sorry to cut you off there, No, Dan, go but right ahead. Sauce Gardner, he has really taken this to another level of petty because he also, he deleted that one tweet, but then he also reposted an old tweet from Hardman 
from 2013 where Hardman said, people say don't snitch. I don't see it like that. If your life on the line, I'm telling on everybody. And Sauce Gardner found that tweet from 2013 from Hardman, and he retweeted and said, LOL. Mm. Wow. It, it is interesting, the life on the line thing. There, there's There's some truth to that. I mean, if you're giving away trade secrets and all of a sudden you know where the football is going to arrive and guys are getting smoked, I mean, there's some there's some truth to that where life is on the line. That's your career. Sure, but uh, nobody needed any help to beat the Jets. Not a lot. <laughs> I mean, Robert scored, Sala had a tough yeah, year. Yeah, 16 in their opener, 10 points scored in their second game, 10 points scored in their third game. The Chiefs game, they, they lo- scored 20, lost that one. So it's... It's kind of ridiculous. It, it didn't matter what their game plan was. They weren't going to win. Yeah, Zach Wilson. Yeah, that's a problem. Zach that's Wilson problem. was what? The number two overall pick? Yeah, three years ago. And he was a darling of the uh, Combine? He was. Uh-huh. One yeah. of the Combine guys. So you got to take in everything with the Combine with a grain of salt, I guess. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For a quarterback, I would say, yeah, I'd rather watch him play. Yeah. I, I think people put a little bit too much stake into the Combine. And when you have... Jane Daniels is not participating. And then you also have Caleb Williams not participating. There's a couple others. At least in the throwing drills, they're just going to do their own pro day. I Sometimes I'll tune in if there's something funny or interesting going yeah. on. Because every once in a while, you do see something a little crazy. Yeah, right. You know, here's another thing, by the way, about game plans. Did you read Peter King's piece about the Super Bowl? How Marquez Valdez-Scandling went mm-hmm. to Mahomes and said, Hey, why don't we just run slides here for the game-winning play? Why don't we just run slides here? And they hadn't run it in weeks and Mahomes goes over to Reed and says, hey, MVS said, why don't we run slides? There was no game planning there. They hadn't done it. They hadn't run it in weeks. But it was something that the, the 49ers hadn't seen. Coach Venturi always used to say, when you get to the fourth quarter, all the game planning stuff is out the window. It comes down to making plays. And they talked about in that uh, survey how Andy Reed was so respected by the players. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. Players will come to a coach and say, hey, we see something that maybe you're not seeing. Or we'd like to try something that we haven't done. A coach should listen, not all do, and take into the input of the, the players that are ultimately on the line there and say, yeah, why not? Let's do it. That's what leaders do. That's what great yeah. leaders in any walk of life do. You hire people to let them do their job and you respect their knowledge. And if they come to you with an idea, you implement it. Absolutely. Where do you think that Valdez Scantling will land? Jets. Right? Packer, Rodgers guy. I think the Jets, huh? Yeah. Why not? I wonder, they must still be, they're they're still acquiescing to everything Aaron Rodgers wants, I believe, there. Probably. Mm -hmm. You got him one more year at least. Yeah. So if he wants him, although the last time they took a wide receiver, they picked wide receivers that he wanted, it didn't go great. (laughs) Who was the one guy they signed, number 13? Lazard? Yeah, there you go. That didn't work out too well for him. Give him a big contract. Yeah, they did. Good call, Rock. Don't right off the uh, top of your head. Here's the thing. I saw something uh, that somebody put on Twitter the other day. Do not give non-number one wide receivers money. Don't do it. If you're free, if you're saying, hey, should I give this guy who was the number two on a team five years and $30 million? The Basically, the axiom of football over the last decade is, no, don't do it. Pivot. Because pretty much right now, Christian Kirk, who had the biggest one of these deals, is actually the only one 
of any value. You sign a wide receiver to a second contract worth more than thirty million, there's a good chance you're throwing that money into the just into the trash. I would say don't sign a wide receiver as a free agent from another team. I go all the way back to Alvin Harper with the Cowboys. Yeah. You know, you weren't going to turn him into a number one. Vincent Jackson didn't work out when he went from the Chargers to the Bucks. I'm trying to think of a, a free agent wide receiver that actually did you actually might have picked like the best one. Like Vincent, Vincent Jackson, Jackson might have like done the best of it, switching it never teams. Was, he was expected to be. Yeah. Now, um, it's different when you trade for a guy. Randy Moss getting traded to the Patriots. AJ Brown. Uh, AJ Brown got traded, right? So it's, I, I guess To too yeah. when he went to Philly had the had the one year, but otherwise, and he he wasn't enough to get him over the hump. It's he was just, a different animal too. Yeah. He was. There's just, a, I, I I would not to be very inclined to make that move. I, I would do what Green Bay does. Go out and develop your own receivers. Yeah. Or you could just, you know, with the Titans, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, yeah that, he'll be back. That worked. Yeah. It's been, yeah. it's been okay. Yeah, it's been okay. Okay. Yeah. Or you can draft Kenny Britt in the first round. Yeah. Hey, by the way, uh, yesterday I went to the eye doctor, and I know uh, everybody wants to know this, but my eye doctor is right next door to the new Chick-fil-A at Olivet and Tempo. So I went by and uh, said hi to our buddy David Bruce just to ask how everything's going. Everything's going really well at the, at the new Chick-fil-A at uh, Olive and Tempo. So I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad to see that it's succeeding in Krev Kerr. What did you get from Chick-fil-A? I didn't get any food at all. No, I just really? went in to say hi and make sure that everything was going well. Wow. Yeah. Did you negotiate a potential breakfast here at uh, 101 did, I ESPN? I did not negotiate that day. Okay. I just went in to make sure that everything was good. Thought you might. Uh, yeah, thanks. Oh, negotiate a breakfast? Yeah. Nah, no, no such <laughs> uh, Thanks to our producer and audio and video engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. A uh, great job today by Brooke Grimsley. Did you have fun today, Brooke? Of course. Show your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? As always, superb work by the oh, very yeah. talented and electrifying Dan McLaughlin. Yeah, Thank just you, electrifying Brooke. on this show, anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Would yeah. <laughs> uh, you call yourself? Did you say you were a curmud- curmudgeon? You aren't a curmudgeon. Sometimes, because I don't do the yo ho. Yeah. <laughs> and so people sometimes look, oh, I'm not part of the nudie. Nutty, nutty band or whatever. Nutty of New Nation. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. Okay. So I'm a curmudgeon, I guess. No, I don't. I wouldn't no. go that far. Okay. Yeah. We made you far. an honorary member anyway. Uh, I refused it. It's yeah. it's it's okay. We'll we'll send you another yeah. offer out there. We've got a balloon party with T Mac and Ajax coming up, followed pleasure. by BK and Ferrario. <laughs> you never said uh, I get to say pleasure. Oh yeah, pleasure. Well done. Good job. Thanks, buddy. You're and the best. You, know, you are the best. We've got uh, the, then the fast lane coming up from two to six this afternoon. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great Friday Eve, everyone. You've been listening to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.